dissolved the council permanently. Last remnants of the old republic have been swept away. The war is over. Welcome to a very somber episode of the Imperial Senate podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, brothers and sisters, Nikki and Claire. Are we okay? <laughs> what a question. What See, a concept. The, <laughs> it, the thing about that is, were we okay to start with? <laughs> we're considerably less okay, I think, right now, hmm. but what was that about? We were in panic mode. Oh, no doubt. And now it's now 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 we're now we can actually sort of grieve. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Well, um, that was fun. Um, <laughs> Good episode, guys. <laughs> Knocked it out. Well, I know. Who, I think we have someone who can join us today who can help us explain our feelings and help the grieving process. So joining us today is the finest soldier in the entire wolf pack and host of Kessel Run Transmissions, it's Corey Van Dyke. How you doing, buddy? Oh, damn, that intro, dude. The finest soldier of the wolf pack. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited to uh, to talk Clone Wars uh, with you guys. I can't get enough of talking about this uh, really epic finale. And, uh, you know, this is like therapy sessions at this point. So I'm, I'm ready for my, my second dose of it. Yeah, I mean, it would feel weird not to have you on to discuss the ending of the show. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but before we dive into all the Clone Wars stuff, and we're talking about the finale of the, the, the series and the show itself, we've got some news. Obviously, yesterday was May the 4th, and uh, I guess we must have been good this year because <laughs> Lucasfilm gave us plenty of gifts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A true Our offering of tuna fish sandwiches and blue milk for the maker were received well oh so is that what you left out yeah i did and of course i made a little extra for the cat and i so we had a good time oh i just broke loads of these specialized editions (laughs) (laughs) and left the pieces for him and he started like he left a note and said thank you (laughs) um yeah uh, firstly academy award winner taika Waititi, who recently won best adapted screenplay for jojo rabbit and directly directed the widely acclaimed first season finale or episode of The Mandalorian, will direct and co-write a new Star Wars feature film for theatrical release. Joining him on the screenplay will be Academy Award nominee Christy Wilson-Cairns, who um, received a BAFTA Award for Outstanding British Film of the Year on the free-time Oscar-winning film 1917. What do we think about that? Epic. I'm so Um, excited. Killer announcement. (laughs) It is. What do you think, Corey? Oh, sorry. That's just <laughs> terribly awkward for a second. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's really cool. Like, I get really excited when they when they show the new directors and writers, but like now my instinct is for how long. <laughs> mm, I mean, yeah, that's true. They sort of disappear off the face of the earth and never get revealed again. Um, I hope that they yeah, continue think- to enjoy Taika's uh, take of, what, what, what did he say in the Mando first doc? That uh, um, it it uh, poke it pokes fun it, at it itself, but it, it believes take itself in itself seriously. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Yeah, but it I believes in that, itself. Yes, I think that's a very good vibe for all of Star Wars. You know, when it comes to the original trilogy's sense of humor, especially um, 
So I hope I think I think it's going to be a good fit. I'm a little more hopeful, I think, than Corey, <laughs> but it's obviously not out of the question because comedy comedy writers and directors have, uh, no, nah, at least in the more recent history, have had less than ideal track record at Lucasfilm while producing movies. <clears throat> I think there. Taika. I think Taika has the pedigree to have gained assurances um there's there's a level when you you exit taking out the the saga films taiko atidi is a different level of like i don't know i don't want to say success because everyone's success is different but like compared to gareth edwards compared to lord and miller this is an academy award winner this is a marvel director this is a guy who i think has handled Star Wars scale um, or like something that is in the scale of Star Wars before. And I think like he's, he's less of a gamble than those two were. Yeah. Um, So I don't, I don't, and I don't think he's the kind of person who would like sign the contract without talk. I mean, we, we all know that the tweet from back in the day when he's like, I like to finish my movies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think. So good. I think he wouldn't do this without feeling like this is kind of like, this is going to work. And I think a a large part of that is there's no um, dichotomy between writer and director because we've had that issue with Rogue One and Solo and this, this, uh, you know, ideas not lining up potentially. Um, And with Taika, it's, it's, he's involved in the vision the whole way through and it's, sort of a Ryan Johnson situation as well, which we know Kathleen Kennedy had the easiest time of her life when Last Jedi <laughs> was in production because there was a unified vision and there wasn't this sort of like clash that, you know, as we saw with Solo. Um, so yeah, I think I think Taika is certainly the most optimistic we could be about um, a new, uh, you know, a new director coming into it. Yeah, I agree. I think since, he, obviously since he's been working on the Mandalorian, he already has credibility with them. So he's the most likely one that I think would be able to do a full movie, um, which I think is going to be really awesome just based on his track record from previous films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say that as well. Like the fact that he's worked with them before and it's gone. Okay. Um, and he's obviously like excited enough to do this sort of step um, proves to me that obviously they might have some sort of relationship already, which hopefully won't degrade like we saw with Solo. Um, As well, I feel like Taika's voice is so unique. Like we said before, like he's an Oscar winner. And And Jojo Rabbit is a freaking masterpiece of comedy and tragedy and all combined in one delicious Mm -hmm. and painful burrito. It's so good and so uplifting. But that's what I was about to say. Like he was able to, he's so good at making individual um, indie films that have so much heart and you know um, comedy all together at once and they balance each other out really well and then he did a Marvel film which is such a big step but not only did he do a Marvel film he retained his identity for that film it was widely accepted by general audiences very popular of critics and then he went on to do Jojo Rabbit which is still an indie film um, that does all those things and I feel like if he can do that for Star Wars, it's just a bonus. 
yeah, yeah. no doubt. And I think the the one of the key things is, uh, as mentioned earlier, this idea that they're building relationships now, and you know that's important. It's not just a sort of like, oh, well, we got Kasdan to write a script. Who's gonna who's gonna t- take this <laughs> thing forward? It's like, no, it's we've we're fostering a partnership with other people. I love this idea. I think we'll get into it probably more later when we talk about the documentary episode, but I love the idea of like Mandalorian as this sort of like live action test kitchen. And like, that's where they can, you know, try different things and, you know, different people come into the chair and, you know, and it's, it's all about, that's what this industry is built upon, like writing or uh, building relationships. And um, I think that's, that's where you get trust. That's where you get, uh, you know, the best kind of visions come forward. I mean, um, <laughs> obviously, Dave Filoni has a pretty great relationship with <laughs> Lucasfilm because he's mm-hmm. spent time doing things, and that only comes out in uh, the quality of the work. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's really awesome. It's really promising. And then on the other side, you have uh, Christy, one of the Karens Wilson, is that right? Um, Wilson Karens, yeah, Wilson Karens. Okay, and uh, I mean, she was involved in the biggest yet most intimate action movie of last year. And it, it was like, it's like nothing about this partnership is like scary to me. I think they're both people who can handle this scale and this pressure. And, and I think it's, I hope it's, uh, you know, I hope it, everything goes really smoothly and we get to see what happens because it's really exciting. Absolutely. It's one of those things it's like, especially like Taika Waititi himself just directing the film is great, but him on the screenplay with Christy is just like the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, in addition to the the film announcement, obviously that's a feature film. Um, we've also got the other films that are in production, apparently. Um, no news for the Ryan Johnson trilogy, so God knows what's going on there. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lionsgate giving him a blank check. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Emmy-nominated writer Leslie Headland, who um, was responsible for Russian Doll, is currently developing a new untitled Star Wars series for Disney+. Uh, Headland will write, executive produce, and serve as showrunner for the series. So, what do we think about that? Yeah, I, I, I'm very excited to see what this is. I mean, we've heard rumors of a potential Ahsoka show. So I, I, and, you know, I think they said in the article that there's a lot of martial arts involved. So I could definitely see um, this potentially being Ahsoka or the rumored Afro show. Um, but I think with the, with the rumors with Ahsoka and Rosario Dawson, it's kind of lining up to be, to be that show. Hmm. I mean, the Clone Wars uh, series finale seems like a great sort of leaping point off for those stories. If yeah. they're going like, to delve into The Mandalorian and then this other show. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. And I think, wasn't it also rumored that this was supposed to be like a female-led show mm-hmm. story-wise as well? Which also, yeah, <laughs> suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. Angry men. Um, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, that, that's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your ladies out of my Star Wars, Mary Sue. Um, How did Ahsoka beat Maul? 
Oh, God. <laughs> He's only half a person and is like 30. You're also only half a person and you're 30, so it's whatever. Well, um, speaking to <laughs> random male nerd on the internet, of course, not you, Charlie. Oh, yes, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that you're what, legs. 23? <laughs> How dare you? I'm 24. <laughs> I love you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're 23, 24 and a half of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, in all seriousness, this is so exciting. Um, I will admit that I still have not watched Russian Doll, despite everybody telling me to. Um, me too. But um, I mean, hey, shout out to that coronavirus because we're all stuck inside binge watching television shows. So perfect time hey, to Chris, do it. No time Chris, like the present. <laughs> shout out to you, buddy. Big on you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Showing up for us. Look at us catch up on our shows. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm so excited for this. Yeah, I'm yeah. Down. Anything, yeah, anything with Ahsoka in it, just, uh, just give me it. Yeah, yeah, put it in honestly, my eyes. Like, this is the perfect time to announce something like that. I don't think they'll do it just yet, just to give this week, you know, let it, the Clone Wars breathe a little bit and everyone enjoy the series finale. But I think now is the perfect time to start announcing stuff for Ahsoka and what happens with her after Rebels and all of that because honestly that's out of the last couple of years that's what I've really wanted to see the most is is what's going on with Ahsoka and it's been what two years since the Rebels finale so we're kind of at that point where we should be getting stuff I will say uh, press F in the chat for all those who woke up and tried to watch the Good Morning America interview <laughs> and were <laughs> devastated I like, I like the uh, I like the implication of waking up <laughs> <laughs> what is the concept night? of time anymore it was what a 30 second interview yeah, no, it, it could have been baby in a sandwich definitely, definitely a trailer coming definitely <laughs> oh man yeah. i do admit like with the whole rebel sequel stuff i know everyone wants like live action sabine and ahsoka which would be cool but i am like i do want to see more of those stories of them in animation if yeah. anything like to have more ashley as uh, ahsoka but Thank also you. like I, but I think we're all going a little bit crazy as well, just because of the coronavirus and also mm-hmm. the way Star Wars fandom reacts to stuff. Um, I think that's my instinct. Um, like, of course, I'm not going to be mad about anything, but like, if, if you're going to tell me Ahsoka's continuing, I kind of wanted an animation. I I feel like yeah, I feel like that's the that's her like truest home, <laughs> um, and. Yeah, it's like you know we we talk about this you know Rebels sequel series, and it just seems like that is the opportunity for her, for her story as opposed to a live action show. Um, yeah, and there's something else where it's like it's totally unfair to think about, but I can't help I can't stop myself from just saying, well, nobody else has deserved to play her. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like Ashley has earned this right. To, to play Ahsoka for the rest of her time. And it's it's one of those things, like, of course, it's it's a mold you can't get out of until you break it. But, um, no, yeah, part of me is, like, it will, it will always just kind of be, like, it's that's hers. <laughs> yeah, I feel you know, that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I feel that, especially, you know, I just, you know, there's so many, so many questions around the rosario dawson potential casting um just like 
are they going to overdub her voice? No, they wouldn't because she's Rosario freaking Dawson. And it's, um, yeah, I don't, I really don't know. I, I'm with you though, Nikki. I want to see Ahsoka in animation and, and something would feel, feel kind of sad in my heart. Um, of course, not seeing any of it that could be completely different. But mm-hmm. um, also, I'm selfish because I want um, Thrawn to come back. Um, I need my favorite <laughs> Thrawny baby to come back in animation. Thanks, please, and thank you, uh, mm-hmm. Lucasfilm. Thank you, Dave. I, if there's one scene that I want out of a Rebel sequel animated series, there's one. I mean, they can do this, and I will be content forever of Ahsoka talking to Force Ghost Anakin, Matt Lanner, mm-hmm. and I'll be good. Oh. I'm not going to be okay until I see it with my eyes. Yeah, well, that and her meeting Luke, I think, is so important. You know, I just I want her to be like, oh man, wow, Anakin had a son. Like, it, it, and, and Leia, of course, mm. obviously, and and God, the potential. I love the idea One of, of my- Ahsoka and Ghost Anakin and Ahsoka just being like. So what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> then I will die. Excuse you. You like try to kill me? I mean, so Brad, like, what you what you been up to, huh? Oh uh, yeah, got okay. Explaining mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like the idea of them like both sitting down on this like rock on the beach, and it's like a a painting like. Uh, it's the sea in front of them. They're both just sitting there in silence. It's like a painted seascape that's done by Dave Filoni. And they're, just, they're both awkwardly like not, not talking to each other. And he's like, so uh, where did you go? <laughs> <laughs> it's all just oh went. There's a hand. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, yeah, I will say, like, with the whole Rebels thing, I saw Tia Carr's post yesterday, and she was like, um, I'm so sorry that we can all hang out together on May the 4th, but I tell you what, next year is going to be the best. And I know she means just because we'll be out and able to talk to each other, but my brain was like, huh, Rebel Sequel? Rebel Sequel? <laughs> I was like a oh, dog man. looking at a squirrel. I was like, Rebel Sequel? Where? <laughs> it's like, the, it's like this forbidden that. fruit that we all just want <laughs> to grab. And it's like, come on, baby. <laughs> come on. Have you seen, have you all seen that art piece of Ahsoka, Luke, Leia, um and Ben, oh, yes, it's so, so yeah. good. It's it just says so many stories without even saying anything. Obviously, you've got Ahsoka and Luke hanging out, being BFFs. You got little Ben crawling towards Anakin, <laughs> which is like a nice little nod. <laughs> and then Leia just looking like pissed the, off. Is it like the <laughs> Leia's like, hey. video? <laughs> yeah. And Leia's like, yeah, great. He used to be class. really great. Remember that time that my father tortured me? E- yeah. <laughs> What did we think about that one? Remember that? Remember that Vader guy? All right, y'all better be careful. That bull had a giant needle. Okay, <laughs> it was a big needle. Looks like he cut off my hand. Stop being a drama queen. <laughs> my parents died. Yeah, it's just a, it's a couple of things a little too far. <laughs> uh, oh. I mean, if we get to see Ghost, if we get to see him, um, not Ghost Yoda, uh, Force Yoda. With Ahsoka, I feel like if there is any rebel rebel sequel, it's the perfect opportunity to get Matt Lanham back as like yes. the partner in crime. Mm-hmm. Where was he? Why wasn't he with Luke and Ben? Because he was with Ahsoka, hanging out, doing <laughs> stuff. He didn't want to touch the Skywalker bloodline anymore. <laughs> All right, I'm, I can't, out. I'm out. <laughs> hanging out, hanging out with his friend from college. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he's like, peace. I'm going to rediscover myself. I missed a lot of years of life. <laughs> I went to poetry now. <laughs> oh, dear God. Oh, um, uh, yeah, but so we're all excited for all these new sort of Star Wars stories. Um, but yeah, secondly, uh, the big major news that came out of yesterday was uh, two directors for the second season of The Mandalorian were confirmed on Twitter as directors Peyton Reed and Robert Rodriguez both tweeted behind-the-scenes images of themselves on set, one with a Mando <laughs> helmet and the other one with a Baba Yoda. <sighs> These two really excite me. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. <laughs> Robert Rodriguez next to a Baby Yoda was just like the perfect picture to release yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it is so, so good. Yeah, I love oh, how can... Peyton Reed was like, you know, symbolically cryptic kind of photo <laughs> right like, oh, oh, oh that's it and then robert rejig is like baby yoda motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> and I, everyone was saying obviously robert rodriguez is such an amazing director and like actually there's great action pieces and like they're like yeah we're gonna get some amazing action sequences for him but i was just thinking about like spy kids and how like fucking weird that is <laughs> Yeah. Sort of stuff <laughs> Dude, we could yeah. see in the Mandalorian, especially like, if they're introducing force users. Like, goddamn, he's a fucking wild filmmaker, and like that's what's that's what's so awesome about it. And also, San Antonio represent all about it. Come on, Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's pretty dope, and I, I love also how he was on the Chef Show. <laughs> No, it's sort of just like everyone just watches the chef show for like scoops. They're like, oh, who's going to be on Mandalorian for season three? Because they were, you know, making pasta with John Favreau. Um, so That's the interview process. You have to make yeah, pasta. I think so. And it's like, it's like, yeah, who's going to show up next? And um, and I love the I love the Marvel connection that's continuing with you know Peyton Reed because for as much as like Kevin Feige is like the dad of Marvel, I think John Favreau is like the uncle. And he's had this like mentorship role with all these people who, you know, populated the MCU. And I think it's kind of fun that, um, you know, he trusts them to come in as well. I also Ooh. like the um, the Marvel picks they have are usually the sort of quirky off-kilter directors. It's not just right. like pure cut action. It's like the slightly... You've got, got the comedy, you got the action, you got the heart, which I feel like is what Star Wars is mm-hmm. um, to its core. Um, but yeah, we all excited for this. Yeah, 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 absolutely. More Mando and new directors. I'm, I'm all about that. Um, speaking of directors on the Mandalorian, yesterday, um, also we got the premiere of the Disney Gallery Mandalorian series, um, which is all about the directors of the first season. Has, has everyone watched that? Yep. Yes, yeah. sir. Good, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Um. Oh. It's such, also, it's such a like core group of awesomeness. It really is. And there's just so many just jaw-dropping moments. And I have a newfound love of Richard Famuyiwa because he loves Jawas and he had conversations with them and was yeah. geeking over the sand crawler of all things. And I'm like, you are mm-hmm. my my kind of Star Wars fan. We, I want to grab a beer with him. <laughs> he seems like such a genuinely cool dude. Mm-hmm. That, like it, and yeah, the Jawa talk was awesome. But I, I loved Dave telling his story of how he got into Lucasfilm. He's told it before, but not like the extended version of it. And we mm-hmm. finally got the full scope of what that was like. 
And that's, it's just so, it's interesting because like I've met Dave on several occasions and like I'm looking at this and just going like, wow, we've kind of seen Dave's career go from, you know, being recognized only by fans to like recognized by just regular general audience goers now. Yeah. And I Mm. think that's just so cool to see. I had that moment with the, uh, the 30 seconds of (laughs) good morning America where it's like, (laughs) it's like, holy crap, like mainstream Filoni. Like, right. like we've all we've heard these stories right because we like we're nerds who like go to panels and like watch behind the scenes and and it's like but it's like yeah good morning america dave filoni telling the story of darth maul coming back <laughs> it's like what <laughs> what's going on and then yeah then the mandalorian show like that's that's pretty big for you know this guy who like we all know but most people probably don't um like who are you know the more casual fandom and um no, yeah, it's really cool, and it's it's great to see him having, you know, this. It, it's just been glow up after glow up for him, and I feel like he's really in this place where it's like he is, um, you know, getting so much, you know, a- attention for what he's doing, and it's it's so well deserved. One percent. I think for me as well, the thing that really like sort of hit me in the chest uh, with the with the feels was um seeing the other directors and like these amazing creative talent, uh, talented people. Some, I mean like Bryce Dallas Howard, the dead is Ron Howard for God's sake, but the way they're talking about <laughs> Dave Filoni with such sort of reverence and love and like, wow, he really is this person we always go up to and just ask questions. And mm-hmm. It made me feel like when, like God forbid, but when George does go, I'm kind of like in a sense, glad we've got Dave still. Cause he's mm-hmm. like obviously the apprentice and, it's just nice to know that he is like George 2.0 in a way. Yeah, he definitely is. Um, yeah, and, and I think there's something so great about Dave carrying on the legacy of Clone Wars through Mandalorian that we've already mm-hmm. seen. And it's like he keeps on carrying George's legacy with him in everything he does. And that's what I think makes him so special. And the fact that he just seems like a genuine, he is a genuinely good dude. Like every time I've talked to him, He's just like, he's so nice, he's so polite, and he's so willing to answer any questions you, you ask him, even if it's overtime or he's got publicists trying to get him out of the way. Like, he's always willing to talk to the fans. And it's like, he's almost all of us, right? Like, all the he is a fan himself. And so I feel like he represents the fans and now the mainstream media. Yeah, yeah. and he's never lost that touch. Sometimes you see it with some fans, you know get sort of jaded by the industry but i don't think he ever has really he's always mm-hmm. got that sort of wry smile to him and i feel like he's always in our corner still yeah yeah definitely and i mean i think that's also like that's a product of of being protected by george for you know the good the better part of a decade it's like what a way to to foster and um and develop when you have george lucas as your 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 master overseer protector and you know like because like nothing nothing was going to happen to the clone wars while they were working on it because that you know that's george he's just like yep put all the money in it yep we're good we're doing this (laughs) and like no matter what even if it was garbage it would have kept going because like it was his thing and he was he would protect it and it's like that's that's an amazing thing like the security for someone like filoni to have come in and have you know be able to work and develop and not have this fear of oh my god is the mouse gonna pull the plug kind of thing um Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah it's it's 
like George Lucas was vital to, you know, making sure Filoni could carry on that legacy. It's it's all it's just amazing how it's all, you know, all these relationships connect with each other. Yeah, it's a really I cool did. thing to see the like the collaboration process between all of them and how it almost seems like they became really close, all of them together. Mm, absolutely, and I feel like this whole uh, introduction of this like band of people who and creatives who will um, come together, learn. I think Dave called it Star Wars School, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which is just a great great term for that. Um, and it, it, I mean, it absolutely shows. I think what we discussed earlier as well is this idea of uh, the Mandalorian being a, a breeding ground for creatives and like people who actually t- truly care. I know John Favreau mentions that he doesn't want people who don't care about Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like is so important. To just you know, understanding the whole concept and everything. But I always felt like the uh, the standalone films were supposed to be this breeding ground for stories. Mm-hmm. And that obviously didn't work out well. There's um, too much risk in that, I think. There's too much risk. Yeah. And I feel like The Mandalorian has proved itself as a great breeding ground for creatives. And we see that in the act, like, we see it in the news. I mean, we wouldn't have had Deborah Chow on Kenobi if it weren't for all the work that had done before. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's an amazing director of herself. So I'm just amazed and glad that she's got that opportunity. But it's nice to, like, to keep these people involved and give them those opportunities. Um, and to be more diverse with it as well. Right. Is Deborah um, Chow in uh slated for season two or is is has she moved on to the new thing? I'm I don't know. I think Rick is coming back. Uh-huh. Ooh, yeah, buddy. M- yeah. Because he was also Kenobi, I think. Right, yeah. okay. Because I know Rick was also tipped for the Cassian series. Um to do that. To do some of that at least. I, I remember seeing something about that, um, but yeah, no, it's it's really cool. And I, I was talking to Alden on Octo Radio last night, and we were laughing about this idea of like <laughs> Deborah Chow and Robert Rodriguez like having to do like rock paper scissors to decide who gets <laughs> to shoot the like gunfight. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I guess if she's not on it, then I guess that's that's like a, a free pass. But yeah, it's it'd be funny. I mean, She's it's so kind of like she gets the whole. Like, she may not get that cake, but she gets like a bigger cake in terms of she gets to direct you and McGregor with a lightsaber. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all want to watch that. <laughs> we, we just like yeah. just to pay. I'd be the guy serving food to the actors. I don't care. I just want to see mm-hmm. you. And... Oh, Mr. Man. McGregor, you were great eating that sandwich. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um... <laughs> oh man. It's funny because yeah. I kind of, the other day, it totally slipped my mind that we were getting a Kenobi show. Mm. And like, I hadn't thought about it in so long. And then when I thought about it, it's like, because when, you know, at the end of Clone Wars, I'm like, dang, this is the end of the prequel era. But then I forgot, like, technically, the Kenobi show, while it's not in the prequel era, I mean, that's such a massive prequel character with Ewan McGregor. So it's like, it's mm. not really over yet. It's an interesting discussion of like the whole prequel era because. It's like what what defines the prequel era? Is it the first three yeah. films? Is it the Clone Wars like arc? Because obviously, the Phantom Menace isn't technically the Clone Wars, right? Like, does Rogue One count as a prequel film? Yeah, I guess I would I would consider it to be everything with Palpatine rising to power mm. is really the prequels. 
Um, but then again, For- like Rogue One's a prequel, so yeah it's like by definition it is but yeah but yeah for me i always draw the line at when do we start seeing imperial star destroyers and imperial clone troopers like the or stormtroopers like the designs that we know that's when i start heading into like i feel original trilogy so like for me solo feels like an original trilogy era because the stormtroopers are stormtroopers as we know them later right but yeah, like by definition, they uh, they all are prequels. <laughs> it's like Rebels yeah. is a prequel series, technically, um, despite it being so rooted in the original trilogy era. Right. I think that's why I like the the definitions that Lucasfilm introduced of the Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, Age of Resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're a bit more easier to sort of place. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I the thing with the Kenobi series as well is obviously Revenge of the Sith is such a compact story being told. That mm-hmm. it's not unbelievable that obviously they wouldn't have conversations like how's Ahsoka going like because you got two hours to get all that story done and obviously we know in real life that story hadn't existed yet but with the Obi Wan series while it's obviously dealing with the complicated stuff of him and Luke and everything like that you could potentially sort of delve into that you could delve into Satine um, that'd be cool to see like you I know it's ridiculous to say this but. Sometimes when you just hear like the actors that originated these roles, like Ewan McGregor or like James Earl Jones and Rebels, it's kind of fun to hear them reference the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not that the actors and the um, animation style itself are redundant or like that doesn't count. It's just a weird little thing that makes me happy. I love it because there's so much, at least in the past, there's, there, well, and still ongoing, there's been so much animosity between like, the superior trilogy, the superior, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I'm an OT stan only, or the prequels (laughs) suck, or Disney Star Wars sucks. But the thing is, like, when you do that, you start to blur the lines, and I like that it makes it all feel like one piece. It's like anything that crosses generations like that just gives me the little warm fuzzies inside like hearing freaking luke skywalker use the phrase darth sidious in the last (laughs) jedi like just stuff like that it just i like feeling like it all fits together and that you know it's not this versus this like fandom likes to make it Mm -hmm. yeah james Earl jones saying ahsoka is like I mean, I don't know how how that can be beat for me. It's so it's because it, it's unimaginable. Like I never thought that we would hear like actual original trilogy actors saying someone's name from the Clone Wars. And mm-hmm. I think I hope that continues Wild. because yeah, it's just yeah. That's why I would have loved to see Anakin in the sequel trilogy, but that's another story. We won't get into that. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the same. It's like Ian McDermott too. Yeah, yeah, in Rebels. Ashokatano. Yeah. Like, <laughs> freaking wild. I just, mm-hmm. oh my god. <laughs> oh gotcha god, it's so- <laughs> 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 Oh palpy energy. I wish I Dropping. approached oh, life with half as much palpy energy as he does. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes oh. you just gotta try and kill a little green dude using a magic mirror. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I don't know what you do in day-to-day life, Charlie, but I don't think that applies to too many of us. Sometimes I wake up my dude, who's like a like a rich count, and he's in his pajamas, and I'm like, do you want to go kill your old master? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, that nice is half of now. my life. Yeah, <laughs> That's half of my life. I do live with a rich count. 
who has animosity uh... towards his previous owner because she works at the vet. (laughs) (laughs) That's the skin I use in Battlefront also from the vision. It's pretty pajamas. No, I use I use the the vision one. Trying to kill Yoda thing. It's like this weird armor. He he had to get dressed for that. Yeah. Like put your put your Sunday best on. Get get rid of those pajamas. We're going hunting. I'm I'm putting Massimita in charge for like twenty minutes, so we gotta hurry this up. I'm worried it might cause another war. (laughs) Um but yeah, why don't we just dive straight into the the big uh, picture of it all, which is that the Clone Wars ended. Um, it's over. Yeah. It's For the done. Third or fourth time. <laughs> Victory yeah. and death. Right. Well, oh, I feel God. like the first question that I'm going to ask before we dive into the whole of it is, Corey, what were your thoughts? Okay, so I always had a picture in my head of what the finale would look like for years, right? And it's mm-hmm. always something that I'm like, okay, there was essential things that needed to happen in it. Like, and this is just thinking back to like even when like season three was airing, I'm like, okay, there needs to be dramatic music. It needs to end on a depressing tone because it's it's not supposed to be a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And Rex and Ahsoka potentially survive it. And that was even like before Rebels. Um, and so th- those were always the things that I was thinking of. I, I was more so thinking that Rex would, would actually bite it, but, um, it, obviously he can't. So yeah, I mean, the minute that it started, I'm like, oh, it's starting exactly the way I would want it to start. You know, they have like a bunch of revenge of the Sith themes mixed in and it's literally the finale that I feel like I've been dreaming of for this show. There's a, a few things I would have added in, but honestly, like all in all, it was pretty much perfection and um this goes down the siege of mandalore goes down as my favorite star wars story of all time so i'm just wow. uh yeah, yeah. i it was everything i wanted it to be and, and more and i'm just so happy that we got this show back because it was you know we had to say goodbye to it three times already so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad this one felt proper it felt like the end uh, Nikki, I want to ask you something because you put something on Twitter the other day. I think it was yesterday, and it made me think a lot. <laughs> and I kind of agree with you. Heart provoking. Yeah, um, and that's. I know that we all enjoyed the show, and I'll talk about it in depth. We'll, talk, we'll just say our immediate thoughts first. But Nikki, you said something about George Lucas. <laughs> uh huh. Do you want to sort of explain? Oh. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even know where this came from, but yeah, it's, it's like, I, um, I was just like, for as much as I have loved everything we've gotten since, since the sale, um, just a, a part of me really missed George Lucas, and, and like, it's not, it's not at all a, a comment on perceived quality of trilogies and yada yada. It's just. There's, there's there was like a comforting thing about it. And I think probably a lot of it stems from when the Star Wars show showed that, uh, you know, conversation between George and Dave Filoni and uh, David Collins. Um, and just, there, I don't know, it's like, there's this like, there's a spirit to it. It's almost just like that, there's this feeling of like safe, like security, <laughs> like, like George is here. <laughs> like, it's gonna mm-hmm. be fun. And like, I don't know, it's, uh, it's, and just the, the maverick shoot from the hip, give no fucks kind of like, this is where we're going for. I, I just missed some of that. And I think a lot of what 
watching um, Dave Filoni really harness everything that he learned from George and learned from his own, uh, you know, adventures, and bringing that all into, you know, finishing the Siege of Mandalore and the Clone Wars. I think it just it all sort of just brought it home at how lucky we were to get seven seasons of something that really came out of George's head and it's 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 unlike anything else because like obviously you know the Star Wars the you know original um and prequel trilogy are you know his children as well but like you know seven seasons of something is is significant <laughs> and it's like um no no just just getting all that it all just sort of came home and I just really miss George in that in that moment I agree. I, I think yeah. there is something so special about this being George's last masterpiece, if you will. Like I know CJ Mandalore wasn't fully written and Dave wrote it, but like, yeah, George, this was his baby. And mm-hmm. even listening to what Dave was saying in the Mandalorian documentary about how, you know, him sitting down with Dave and looking at his portfolio and it just made me think, wow, that's right. Clone Wars is George's baby too. Like he, wanted this to happen and Mm -hmm. we've heard from sam witwer obviously that uh george has been watching the episodes and enjoying every second of them so that's yeah there's something super comforting about george enjoying what is the end of his journey for star wars properly it really did feel like he was in the room making these episodes you know it's just we were getting a warm hug from our awkward dad while watching me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah. true. It's just, he just, his vision just like seeps out of every second of this. So it's just really, really beautiful. want to give yeah. him a reluctant hug. I know he'd run away. But, it's like, you know. <laughs> it's like one thing because you, you hear Dave talk about it all the time about like, oh yeah, like I learned from George. I learned from George. And it's like, this really felt like I now have the opportunity to George the hell out. And, and like, this was, this was like, yeah, it's, it, it just felt like the pinnacle of everything he's learned. And, and for me, like, like you said, I, and I, there's a lot of stuff that's been coming out recently, like Sam Whitwester site on Twitch. It's got out of proportion, people complaining and stuff. And um, <clears throat> like, we've talked about this, like throughout all the years we've been doing the show, like, we love the sequel trilogy films. Like we, we've really enjoyed them. We love the characters, the sort of the eras, the stories that have been told. But there is something spe- like specifically about like something about George's DNA, which did feel a little bit missing, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, sometimes a little bit of the soul as well. And I feel like what the Clone Wars has is that, it, like Rex and Ahsoka avoided all the sixty six. It's like a little bit of George. <laughs> managed to survive and <laughs> put to tell the story. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> just no, realized, yeah. Like, it hit me, like, literally, I've got it in my notes, literally right at the beginning, the first thing we actually see, obviously the Lucasfilm logo comes up, and it's Kevin Kiner's sort of, his own version, but it's, it's like, definitely trying to be, represent the funeral music from mm-hmm. um, episode one and episode three. Right. <laughs> And it's like, okay, well, I'm I'm back to being a nine-year-old. <laughs> I'm yeah. watching Revenge of the Sith again. <laughs> this is crazy. And it's that sort of thing where, like, it made me feel like I'm back there. 
It made me feel mm-hmm. like I was back watching that film and that era and that yeah. tension and that, that fear that I felt the first time. And, and you have that emotional connection, that emotional memory tied down to music, tied down to some of our other senses, and like, mm-hmm. but especially um, with sound, with music. Um, yeah. Like you can hear a song that you, uh, let's like, you can hear a song that you had your first kiss to, and all of a sudden you're back in that moment. We And like Kevin Kiner especially, you know, George was smiling listening to that because that especially with the music right there it immediately sets you up for what you should be feeling right now and what you are about to experience it like cues you in emotionally before you get your life destroyed visually (laughs) i will say it is is weird that my first kiss was to uh, padme's funeral but (laughs) with respect it was an emotional time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like taking your date to see Marley and me. <laughs> I, I did not know about that. That is interesting. <laughs> this explains a lot about Charlie now, doesn't it? Wow. <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> all, you can, all you can hear is, I hate you. <laughs> like, this is cool. Charlie, Charlie Come here, baby. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Nothing, nothing like it's a completely better than evil. Padme's rumination, so. No. <laughs> I'm just looking out the window. Who's just that nice woman wailing? <laughs> Why the kids that's what you're killed? into, I'm more concerned about you than I thought I was. Hey, oh, that's God. not somewhere. Uh, <laughs> one one there, really quick though. comment. <laughs> one, one, one really quick thing about the Sam Whitworth thing that... Um, we definitely don't need to get into, but like he made a point that I'm like definitely sympathetic to because mm-hmm. I know that's the way my sister feels also. And it's something like we've talked about. Um, and like for, so for some people, they, they, they can't separate from the fact that it doesn't, it like to them, it's just not star Wars. Cause it's not George. Um, and like, so like when I talked to my sister about the sequel trilogy, she's like, she like she watches them and everything, but she's like, "This is piece of me that thinks of it as a like alternate what if <laughs> because like it's just not it just yeah. didn't come from George like it's like it's not the story of Star Wars as set by its creator and like so like I'm sympathetic to that even if I don't agree with it, but um, I think it's just one of, it's part of the fact of a fandom like some some fans are able to look past that some aren't and um. I think again, that's why Siege of Mandalore I think has been a really like great marriage for like those two things because it's it's bringing along that legacy of George. These were his stories. This is the end of those stories, but also marrying it to so much that's been done with the future and you know with and no George. It's like this weird child of you know Clone Wars and Rebels and you know and obviously mm-hmm. Rogue One. It comes in you know sweeping in here too and it's like um and solo as well i mean we got dryden boss so it's like all these all these little things coming in and um sort of bridging this gap that could you know could exist between some groups of fans so i think that's why another reason why it's been so special you know that oh go ahead oh no go ahead Corey. 
Okay, well, I was, it's just a quick, really weird analogy because, Nikki, you just made me think of it for some weird reason. I don't know why it popped into my head. This is a really weird analogy, so prepare yourself. <laughs> like, You're in the right like, place, buddy. <laughs> awesome. If Dave is like, and that, if George is like God, then Dave is like Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. like he, he's, he's still spreading the word of the creator, if mm-hmm. you will. And uh, that's my weird analogy for the podcast today. And that's why I think uh, Dave... You know, like he's like, he's the chosen one in a way. He's the one who's still, he understands the spirit of Dave and, and I'm a George and, and what George would do. And I think that's what, why a lot of Dave's stories connect so, so much with me because I, I can see George making some of those decisions. Um, and kind of mm-hmm. like what Nikki was saying, I agree that for me, you know, I, I love Rogue One. I really love The Force Awakens, but there are certain choices that were made that I definitely don't see George ever thinking like, oh, and, and it's okay. Cause sometimes things have to evolve and change and I get that and, and be different from different, you know, creators, but there are certain things that like, I just feel like you shouldn't touch in, in the realm of, of, of star Wars. And like, for instance, I don't think George would have brought back the emperor, or, you know, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I can totally understand how, some people can feel disconnected with those movies and, and what comes next. Cause there is a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, but I think that's what gets me so excited about the future content for like Mandalorian and knowing that John Favreau and Dave Filoni um, and, and all these other great writers and directors are like had some sort of connection with George at some point. And like, because they know Dave, like Dave can help them with certain things. And that's what makes me, really hopeful for Mandalorian and whatever other shows we get that Dave and, and, and crew work on. And yeah, it's in touching on, on that kind of synergy between the new star Wars and the old star Wars. It's also shown in the reaction, like a lot of the anti Disney star Wars people and the ultra pro Disney star Wars people. We like, everyone seems to kind of agree that this finale this arc was exactly what the doctor ordered like we can like pretty much everybody has had such a positive critical reaction to it and Mm -hmm. um that just makes me so excited for the disney plus content because for a long time i was definitely the kind of person who was like star wars belongs in the movie theater i want the movies i want the movies you better not put all these movies on disney plus and not make anything that's going to be in theaters but Based on the quality of what we're getting, I, d- I, don't, I don't care if you, I mean, Star Wars, yeah, every now and then I'd like to see it in a theater, but I don't, honestly, I would rather just have this content come out and and just continue to be wowed by the passion and the, and just the creative collective vision of people that are truly understanding what the feeling of Star Wars is and how to make it, you know, and and have us connect to it like we connected with the nostalgic era of our childhood, whatever your trilogy is, if you choose to pick one or cling to one more strongly than the other. It's just, we all seem to kind of agree that this this feels like Star Wars and it, and it gives me hope that they're kind of steering, that, that this is the creative team steering the ship in the future, especially on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I mean, we uh-huh. live in, yeah. Uh, yeah. in, like, we live in this time frame where you know netflix is putting up movies that are winning oscars and and it's like it's it's not a 
mark on quality to say this came from a streaming platform. And no. I think Disney Plus can definitely invest in that kind of stuff. And and like and I, I feel like it exists in both areas. Like for me also, like Star Wars does belong in the theater. And it's like and I need that experience. I can't like if that goes away, I'll be fundamentally sad. And you know, the the big movies will always be the things I look at most because that's like that is a key Star Wars like experience. But I think that shouldn't stop them from from just going hog wild on on Disney Plus and and I think you can you can punch like have like fill out the Star Wars universe on Disney Plus and then just you know punctuate it with these huge things you know every once in a while on on the big screen theater releases and I think that would be a really healthy balance for for Star Wars and that's the thing with George yeah. as well is that he was so good at predicting the future in terms of like sure like he might buy you a lottery ticket it won't win for you this week but in about five years you're going to win the jackpot like mm. he would yeah. like the prequel trilogy <laughs> people complained about the cg effects and that fundamentally changed cinema um and i mean even that documentary the other day i'm sorry the star wars show clip where he's talking about and dave is talking about the fact that george was like yeah we're going to be on tv but it's not like a a downgrade we're going to make mm. films every week on tv that's yeah. the difference. And I think while I do love everything that Disney or I, I really enjoy a lot of the, what Disney have done with Star Wars, like I like the sequel trilogy. It might not be my favorite of all time. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I liked, I really love episode nine, but watching this Siege of Mandalore, I was like, oh God, God damn, this is like, <laughs> like legs above. Like it's just, oh, I can't even describe it. But it's like, I feel it, like it's taken the time to, to earn it. I think that's, that's the key difference. Like, I feel like, Disney is like a corporation. Mm-hmm. They're a bit like you know sometimes like not not uh, people in Lucasfilm's like necessarily their fault, but they've got to quote Admiral Trench an algorithm, and um, <laughs> that is to produce like films that are going to do well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means creative decisions that they feel like will make more money in terms of like Episode Seven having TIE Fighters and X-Wings and such like that. Well, I don't personally disagree with that, but, you know, would George do that? I don't know. I don't think some of the actions that were done, George would have done. And mm-hmm. there's a reason why when he put his money into it, it came with sort of great um, like great re- reactions. Like, The Clone Wars was funded by George, and I really love Rebels. The storytelling is incredible. But if you can imagine if Disney had the trust they did back then to put that budget in, the, the, what we could have got <laughs> is just incredible. Yeah. And I feel like the ultimate lesson, hopefully, that George and the Clone Wars itself has taught Lucasfilm and Disney now is that put the money in because <laughs> mm-hmm. these people know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah for sure. In Filoni, we trust. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's him on yeah. his bike now. I know. I'm shooting <laughs> myself this whole time because now we got like leaf blowers out. Come on, people. <laughs> it's just Dave on the moped. He's got a helmet on, but on top of the helmet, he's got his hat. <laughs> I think I think it's really easy for a lot of people um, who, you know, didn't sit through it when it was on Cartoon Network on Friday nights and whatnot. Um, it's easy for them to forget that Clone Wars was star wars like mm-hmm. there were no movies mm-hmm. there was nothing it was like it was there was nothing on the horizon 
really accept this. And like when the sale happened, nothing on the horizon except Clone Wars and 3D prequel trilogy. <laughs> like that was it. Yeah. And and like it's it's funny, like because um, now people, you know, we live in this world where we got Disney Plus, and you can you know choose your poison and decide what you want to watch of Star Wars and. Yeah, it's like, and you, you know, we talk about the budget as well, and it's like, yeah, because everything was going into it. There were, there was no movie to take budget away from Clone Wars, and um, it's like, yeah, it's it goes to show what happens when you really invest in in long term and and stick to your plan. I think like nothing is nothing shows that greater than the you know the the journey of Ahsoka Tano than saying, you know what, we're gonna ride this out and we will deliver. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a really special experience, and it's it's why for as much as I'm sad that I'm sad that it's over, and I'm sad that it made me sad and everything. It's like it's really beautiful that it got to to end. Yeah, the right way. No, I I agree, and like you just mentioned, yeah, a lot of do a lot of people do like uh, don't understand that when when Clone Wars aired, this was in. 2008 and so for years there yeah there was no star wars movies there was never going to be any more star wars movies Mm -hmm. and clone wars was the only thing keeping it alive and even like um through the star wars weekends events and celebrations before force awakens it was still very lively because fans were going for clone wars right and now i'm sure celebrations have grown like 10 times more by now but there was still like very much a massive fan base for Star Wars when Clone Wars was on. And, uh, I, you know, obviously the show got a lot more popular now with, with Netflix having it first and now with Disney Plus. But I think that, you know, and I think that's what makes it so emotional now that it's ending for all of us who were there since the, pretty much the beginning. And um, it's like it ends such a pivotal moment in Star Wars history. Mm-hmm. It's It's really funny because it's like, for any for anyone listening who like came in at the sequel trilogy, I don't know how to explain to you how weird like Star Wars fandom was before the Disney sale. <laughs> because, like, yeah, I remember <laughs> I remember going to celebration my first celebration in 2012 and going to a Clone Wars panel of the yep. cast and it was and because back then James Arnold Taylor was the main stage host, so he was I like panel, yeah, yep. right, and he was like running it, and I swear to God that auditorium was not full. <laughs> Like, it wasn't no right? it wasn't <laughs> and it's like <laughs> no can you imagine doing a panel with the clone wars cast and like people are just kind of like coming in late and stuff and yeah. like hey, this is cool <laughs> it's like it's such a weird like place to have been and like just yeah. thinking about where it was where it is now i was able to sit in the front row for that panel because like you oh, said yeah. like like yeah like there wasn't a ton of people right like like the line might have had like 200 people in it but like if it's crazy thinking about celebration chicago of the like 10,000 people in the auditorium mm-hmm. before the uh, the panel but yeah star wars fandom was definitely different it was so <laughs> back, weird back during and, celebration 6 yeah and like and like your week to week as a star wars fan was you know talking to your three friends who also watched the clone wars and you're like oh my god you see right. that and <laughs> and like i it's it's the funny like i laugh at it so much because like i was in college when um like a big like i was yeah 2008 yeah i was in college for most of the the show and so there were times when it was like hey you want to go out for dinner and i'm like friday night looking at 7 30 p.m 
I'm like, I don't know. I got some. I got somewhere to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like college, baby. Watching Clone Wars on 7:30 on a Friday night. And so when they switched it to like when they switched it to Saturday morning, I felt a lot like more socially like capable. So um, you know, no, yeah, I, I feel such a weird time. Yeah. Because when I was in, I was in middle school when season three was airing. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if I've said this story publicly before, but it cracks me up because we had like this school dance coming up. But listen, the Mortis arc was airing, okay? <laughs> and like, they were teasing that Ahsoka was going to go to the dark side. I'm like, dude, yep. that, that's so meaningful. And I remember <laughs> one of, one of uh, my classmates, this girl, she comes up to me, she's like, so do, do you want to go to the dance with me? I'm like, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go to Mortis with me? <laughs> like, let me be frank. <laughs> I, I have I, I have things to do. She's like, yeah, but come on, it's gonna be fun. And I'm like, but listen. <laughs> and I didn't go. I watched Mortis. That's amazing. Oh man, <laughs> this Dude. is why. This Literally, is George... why you are the finest soldier in the wolf pack. <laughs> exactly, George, keeping people honest, man. George is like, I'm going to protect my fans from doing things that they might regret later by putting it on Friday nights so they don't have social life. <laughs> and for in the long run, they will be better people because of it, because they would right. have they would have watched Mortis instead. And it's like, yeah, it, again, like if you're if you're new, newer to fandom, it's it's so hard to explain, like yeah. just how weird life was. It's it's weird because I I started uh, my podcast as the Wolfpack Podcast. That was the first name for it, and I started it in right at the end of 2012. So it's like I was right in that odd time for the fandom before it really blew up. So like it still amazes me that like I was able to just like so Dave, do you want to come on the podcast? And he's like, sure, <laughs> you know, and then like <laughs> what a I, time. And, yeah, and it's like there's no way now like it, it, that could ever happen. I know, it's, right? it's crazy. That was like I've only met Dave once, and it was at a party <laughs> at Celebration 2012. Like again, just at a party, like a get together, <laughs> and it was like, oh yeah, come up to a picture, and I was like, oh my god, dude from the special features, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> like, and it's just like I like I cannot even imagine the journey. Like back then, if you would have told me the way Dave Filoni has like influenced my fandom and my life from that day of just being like, Hey, can we get a picture? And I remember asking <laughs> right. if the wolf pack was in season five and he was like, yeah, there's a little <laughs> bit of them. It's just like such a weird <laughs> conversation. Like of all the things I could have asked that fucking genius, I asked him if the wolf pack was in season five. <laughs> it's like, like, oh my God, what am I doing? I had my one shot and yeah, it's, it's insane. It's insane. That is just, I feel intense nostalgia for that, that time in my life. Oh, man. We'll get I have a weird day. relationship with that time in my life because I wasn't involved in fandom at all while I was watching the Clone Wars week to week, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't talk to anybody about it. I was kind of like my little secret. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and that was, that was before I felt comfortable talking about Star Wars with other human beings. Um, just cause I just, you know, I, I, I maybe didn't have the most supportive network in my life at that time. And a lot of around, around a lot of judgmental people. So it was my own special little thing that kept me mm-hmm. connected to star Wars through all that time. 
Um, and I wish that I hadn't kept it to myself because, man, I want to ask Filoni about the wolf pack at Celebration 2012. <laughs> My God. <Yeah. laughs> Honestly, if I'm going to be honest, I would actually totally ask him about the wolf pack now. <laughs> where are they at? Where are they at, Dave? Yep. <laughs> what did the wolf do? Where was he? Why did he, kill, why did he kill Plokoon? What was he doing? Show <laughs> me Wolf and Gregor. Yes. Uh, on last show, Corey, we we, we our canon uh, prediction is that he was in the toilet, <laughs> 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 and <laughs> that, that's why he, Darth Sidious Darth Sidious was like. Uh, taking for ages. Going to voicemail. <laughs> Let me Come just call on, the other man. guy. <laughs> That's valid. That's I, I just pictured that in my brain. They're on Cato Nemoidia. There's this explosion. So he's like, I, I, I got to take the dump now. Just a cybernetic guy while he's while he's waiting right. to cut that loaf. Oh, gotta find the refresher. <laughs> and he's like, man. What a day. <laughs> oh my god. I got a headache, I can tell you that much. <laughs> and Rebels is deleted scenes like, I didn't kill my cloak, my Jedi Knight. I was too busy taking a dump. I killed that deuce though. <laughs> oh man. I think my relationship with the Clone Wars is, is odd as well because I remember watching the film in cinema and there's like hardly anyone there. And yeah. I remember peeing, people being like, so this is the state of Star Wars now, and both me and my dad were like, "That was that was fun." <laughs> like, I don't know what people complaining about? Like it was a nice film. Like I've never understood the hatred towards the the Clone Wars film. I have no Same. bad words to say to that movie. I love it so much. Like, people, yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Excuse you, it's it's Christopher Lee doing Dooku again." I'll take yeah. any of that. Thank you Ooh, very much. I think baby. Sam Jackson was in it too, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. And Dope, I just man. remember. Like, I watched a few episodes of the first season, but it was very hard because in the UK, like, the way they aired them was very strange. And obviously, it took, I think it was like months until it came over here. And so I sort of got lost out of touch for a little while. Like, I didn't watch the like the show, and I was in secondary school, so it was, you know, like teenage years going crazy. But still, secretly, like, going to town and buying big Lego sets of, like, <laughs> the droid tank and be like, I hope nobody sees. <laughs> and then I remember watching. Reading the news, because I always read the news and stuff about like StarWars.com, and I saw the Darth Maul, like Darth Maul's returning. I was like, they can't do that. <laughs> That's silly. Mm-hmm. I better catch up and watch it. And then I just kept watching it <laughs> ever yep. since. I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just one of those cool things. It's like, it wasn't for that sort of like weird push. And it got me back into that sort of like back into the whole of it because I always loved Star Wars and I always just like collect all the action figures and I loved Rex as soon as I saw the film. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a big fan of Cody growing up. Well, that's Um, awkward. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, (laughs) I feel bad for him. Um, But why don't we just dump? uh, Dumped. Why don't we just jump right? (laughs) Okay, Wolf Wolf would approve. That's what Wolf's up to. (laughs) Why don't we just dump Boga off a cliff? Um, Oh, oh man! I'm here, Charlie. Damn. Hey, hashtag justice for Boga. Um, Should we just go through the through the episode, like the major points of the um? Let's 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 try. So obviously, (laughs) the episode starts off. um, Ahsoka, uh, R7, the droid. Uh, Rex and the droids are all going away. They're worried about the clones attacking them. Um, and I think the first sort of major point I've written down, I feel like, is like sort of um, 
the major point of the episode is that the fact that Ahsoka is basically the perfect Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, she won't hurt the clones. She understands the tragedy of Order 66 and the fact that these soldiers are of themselves um, victims. And I thought it was a very depressing yet um, sobering like comparison of the first episode of The Clone Wars where Yoda is telling the clones, no, you are these people. You're not just clones. You are individual people. And in the last episode, they're not individual people. They've been brainwashed into this mm-hmm. horrible... Mm-hmm. Um, they've lost yeah. their independence. And it it's kind of a, like a sort of a metaphor for the Republic <laughs> and become the Empire. Yeah. Like they get washed away. They, like Dave says, they, the colors washed away. They've become this sort of dark, <laughs> evil force. And I was just like, God damn. <laughs> the stun not kill order is just... <laughs> they didn't have to do that. But they yeah. did. And it that's something... That's something he brought up in uh, check it out because Ash asked the best questions. He did he did a, mm-hmm. an, an interview with Ash Crossan from from Entertainment Tonight, I think. And um, yeah, it was he mentioned specifically about the end and how like that is the that is sort of the death of individuality and and the burying of the identity of the clones. And when it comes back, Vader's there with the faceless automatons of the empire and like and that that's the shift and it's like man why are you hitting me with that real shit <laughs> like, <laughs> like god damn yeah. It, yeah it's 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 so heavy and you know like you said it's like watching these clones who you know we've come to to love and and see as the heroes become you know the the antagonists and the villains it's it's it was like really like terrifying and heartbreaking. Yeah, there was something so haunting about seeing Jesse, so, you know, clone we followed since season two, completely just not there anymore. You know, For sure. I mean, going back to uh, the deserter when Rex gets shot and he's he's mending Rex and helping Rex and saying we can stay here if you want us to stay here with you, and then we see him trying to kill Rex. It's in Ahsoka. It's like. And I love that Dave did that because it could have been any clone. I mean, Jesse could have died earlier these episodes or in the Bad Batch or any time. Hmm. And I love that he, you know, he was the last clone really remaining of the core group of five of first clones with fives and hard case and top and, and, and kicks and all, which by the way, I just got to add, it's kind of cool that they kept Kix's canon story of him being around in the Force Awakens era. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Kix is the goat, man. Dude, I <laughs> he didn't yeah, betray he his is. Jedi. He did not betray his Jedi. Oh, I mean, man. imagine coming out of that 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 carbonite stasis and just being like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, I mean, completely confused. <laughs> and and I'd love to see more Kix one day, but. It was cool that we got the conclusion to those clones mm-hmm. really through through this arc as well, and it's just it was so depressing and sad seeing Jesse, even when Rex is trying to reason with him, and and Jesse does that split second of like looking down and thinking about it. It's like it's the program in his head. Just he looks right back up, points the guns right back at him, and says that it's treasonous. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> me, it was like uh, just while we're on the topic of Jesse, it's like. I, I'm like a, I'm like again like one of those fans too who like has been I think my my number one investment in this show has been the troopers right and mm-hmm. for obvious reason because they're they're the ones who've been um, really fleshed out in this 
to this degree. And, you know, we feel, we feel like they're actual people. And, um, yeah, like just like Corey said, like Jesse, we've been following since season two and it's sort of always been this consistency. And like, I celebrated his arc trooper upgrade <laughs> when yes. Bad showed up and it's like, Oh my God, promotion. You love to see it. <laughs> and, and it was like, and I've, I've compared the way siege of Mandalore, uh, made me feel to, the final season of Game of Thrones before, but this one really nailed it for me. And like Jesse was like living Daenerys over again. And mm. you see this guy stuck in this just descent that he has no control over anymore. And it's like, yeah. and it's like the, the Daenerys Jesse and like the Jon Snow Rex. And it's like these two people who by all accounts should be, you know, like on the same side. And you're just, they're just in this place where you cannot bridge this gap because it's like it's just impossible to bridge it now and and like just seeing that was like was just tragic and i didn't like get super emotional physically too many times during this episode but when i when his helmet was on the the stick at the end like oh, I, I was like a baby like yeah i was just it it's so hard to see them do that and and uh yeah it's it, it like Jesse was a, a big deal to to have gone through all that with. I think that's Dave Filoni's masterstroke. Is that obviously in episode two and episode three, um, we don't spend that much time with the clones. Mm-hmm. So when Order sixty six happens, you're automatically getting gear of yeah 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 they're the enemy now. Like they're the, which is mm-hmm. in your brain. Get rid of them. Um, it's an easy transition. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like with the Clone Wars, what was really interesting was you you did have that feeling last week because our main character, the, the someone who the audience goes with, is obviously Ahsoka. And when you've got Rex, who is out of character, and this whole these people that we've grown to love and see as individuals turn on her, you're automatically on her side, obviously, because she's trapped in. And I feel like the pace last week was more like a horror film. Like, mm-hmm. it's like a terrible thing that's happened. Whereas this week, the tension is lowered a little bit because now we've got Rex with Ahsoka, so she's not alone. But what you all, but what you get this time round is this horrible sense of, oh God, these people are our friends. <laughs> and yeah. that's, the, that's the tragedy of it all, is the fact that they have no say in what they're doing. Like Rex says, he's like, you don't understand, like, they have no word. They have no like saying this. They don't know. They don't even think of you anymore. Like it's just brainwashing. Like um, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, it was the physical. Sorry, oh, sorry. The physical effect of Rex after having his chip out. He's like horrified. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. So you, you, I mean, the fact that she tries to save all of them, or just any of them, is just such a beautiful sort of thing. And it, it <laughs> can, I, make... can I caveat that really quick? Yeah. Sure. sure. You can talk about Yoda. I do like. I did think it. No, I think it's okay. funny that Ahsoka. It's like we're all like applauding her on this, but like she had no problem letting Maul go and like wreak havoc. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it's so like the bit where she's like, "I'm not gonna hurt anyone," and then the first thing she does is like whack a door at someone's face. Like that guy's dead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like I'm not doing it. That's Maul. Maul's the one just chopping people's <laughs> arms off and. Kicking their helmets off and everything, decapitating. That, that, yeah, that's such a good point. <laughs> they really are like, like thinking about that in this episode. Um, 
Ahsoka and Maul are two sides of the same coin. They're like the opposite, the yin and the yang approach mm-hmm. to getting off of this ship. He's just monstrous destruction, no regard for human life, no regard for any of it. He's letting the entire ship full of living beings burn, and she's the sympathetic side of trying to save as many as she can, even though she knows that they can't be saved. She will not be the one to do it, even though it's all going to be useless in the end anyway. None of them are getting off of that ship. It's, uh, well, Ahsoka and Rex, Rex and, and uh, mm-hmm. Maul are desperately trying to get off that ship, but those clones are going down with the ship no matter what. Um, yeah, and I think... It's very, it's very hard, especially watching... Rex, who I adore so deeply, um, mm-hmm. and having her be the person to protect her brothers in that sense, and mm-hmm. and and seeing her take off that helmet, and y'all got to quit making Rex cry because it always will make me cry. And he knows that no matter what, he has lost his brothers. He's lost his purpose in life. And there's no going back. He doesn't, he's lost his identity. He doesn't know who he is anymore or what he will be. And that, and, and that on top of losing your, seeing your brothers lose their humanity and about to lose their lives. And it's just, I cannot imagine the emptiness that Rex must have been feeling in this episode and watching him. I felt so full of despair because I knew that how could you possibly feel any more lost than in that moment Mm -hmm. and also thinking that you have to be the one to kill your brothers Mm -hmm. even though they're like oh god it just yeah he was he was willing to do it like he was yeah it's it's yeah just tragic in like every way and I think I think at that moment he okay you go no I I think in that moment like he had he was thinking of Ahsoka and thinking, okay, I need to save her. Yes. I need to at least get her out of here. And I think that was Rex's priority at that point. And just to mention one thing from the previous episode real quick, when I have to, like, Fives is my favorite Star Wars character. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when Rex name drops Fives, like, I can't even imagine what Rex must be feeling about that, too. Oh. The fact that Fives' death, like everything Fives was saying was 100% right and it could have been stopped. And I think that that is going to emotionally weigh on Rex through the years because, you know, I always viewed like a lot of people kind of look at Echo and and Fives as like the yin and yang. And I totally, I agree with that if Echo had asked about him in Bad Batch. But um, (laughs) I kind of see it as Rex and Fives now, as since Ambara and like the Order 66 arc. Like Fives kind of showed Rex, you know, he showed him a way to look at the war differently and to not just blindly follow what they're being told when they know it's wrong. And that's why I love Fives' character so much. And I think that he was trying so hard to save the whole Republic and, and he died for it. And I think that that's why it was such a beautiful moment when Rex, I mean, just saying like Fives is responsible for Ahsoka Tano and Captain Rex living. <laughs> and I think that's just so great. And that's- um, yeah, yeah, that's like one of my one of my favorite all time Clone Wars moments and lines. That's why he's the Arc Trooper, <laughs> and like <laughs> the respect that like Rex developed. Like again, we talk about these little arcs within arcs. Like the journey Rex had with Fives, like picking him up yeah. as this kid, um, like yeah. over you know 
like kid in terms of clones. Um, yeah. Like, and seeing him through to this heroic arc trooper who would then literally save him and, you know, his best friend right now in order 66. It's, it's, we talked a bit about it in our last episode of how mm-hmm. like the fives arc is such a like tragedy. I had so many times, like I could not rewatch it because it, it was like, okay. oh my God, it's such a downer. And now I feel like yeah. I can go back to it knowing that like fives comes good. Like, or yes. like, he, he does get to be the hero for, for this part of the story. Yeah, because I, I kind of felt the same way. I always felt like, man, he, he kind of died for nothing mm-hmm. because no one got saved. But wh- And I love that Dave did that. You know, it's such a great conclusion to Fives' story. And I did not expect that. Like, right. I genuinely... One thing I thought of when I read the description that Order 66 was going to be in the third episode, I'm like, okay, what are the chances that Fives just gets mentioned in passing where Rex just goes, oh, wow, like, Fives... Was, no, no, no. He was key. And... I'm so glad that they did. They didn't have to. And it just shows the love they put into different clones. And, oh, God, I love it so much. And I think as well, which is really interesting, like we said, like we said, uh, like Fives is such an interesting character and the arc is heartbreaking. I remember watching it for the first time and just weeping because it's so, yeah, it's such a tragedy. It's so horrible that he doesn't get that sort of justice. And like you both just said, like it's kind of triumphant now. Like he did help. Mm-hmm. Not only did he... Um, like indirectly help save. Like, I mean, quite frankly, that like, he did. He helped save Ahsoka and Rex. But by doing so, he's indirectly helped establish and provided for the future rebellion. Yeah, <laughs> in taking down yeah. this horrible force that took over the thing that he loved so much, which was the, obviously the mm-hmm. Republic. But as well, like the whole element of individualism, as we mentioned before, Rex is one of those really individual clones because of the fact that he was taught and worked with Anakin Skywalker. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like the whole five of first is kind of like that. And you see it like he's the only clone that really, really tried to sort of fight back. And the fact that he got that fives out, like talking about fives and he was crying before trying to kill Ahsoka. And even afterwards, like he could like the way he tells Ahsoka, like, no, we have to do this. He's very methodical. He's right, frankly. Like they, they don't care. It's not because they don't feel anything. It's that, well, it's like the science of it. Like they just can't process any other information. They've got to kill Ahsoka. Mm. They've got to kill Rex. So he's trying to be nice about it. And obviously, we know it's heartbreaking to him. But that's again a sort of a sign of his individualism that like he's putting her instead of himself and thinking about the the wider aspect of it all, which I kind of really sort of love. Um, and I really love the fact that the clones aren't just the, like a force to be made and sort of thrown away, which again, is like yeah. kind of ironic when you, like I said, you watch episode one of the clone wars and Yoda is like, you're all people. And then in episode three, it's like <laughs> throwing a saber in someone's chest, dropping their heads off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. It's like, Individualism. Fuck you. <laughs> you're trying to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah it's like one of those (laughs) interesting things and sort of I'm so glad that Ahsoka and Rex are different and they're kind of like the true heroes of the Republic and the Jedi like she's the pure Jedi in that regard Um, right I also like you said about Maul obviously we got the um, 
the him walking around <laughs> messing about um <laughs> messing about that's one word to, Sam, that's Sam one word to say it. Sam Sam we're, we're pulling a star destroyer out of the sky for that's, the second time uh, that's the thing like yes. <laughs> right everyone makes a really good point about it being very uh force unleashed active and obviously of course that's what it's based on and i think sam Whitmer confirmed that on the twitter but the thing that really struck a chord with me is that um i really like the the way that dave filoni um in rebels and clone wars has done sort of like he's more is kind of like the opposite of obi-wan kenobi um mm. like you know like he hides away with the old master sort of thing um mm-hmm. the scene where he's walking through the republic ship really reminded me of like a twisted dark mirror image of Ben Kenobi in A New Hope when he's going for the yes. Death Star. Mm-hmm. Turning off that tractor beam, Exactly, baby. yeah. And Obi-Wan does it really calmly, whereas Maul was like, I'm going to blow this whole thing up. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so man. that was really cool to see, especially that scene with the helmet, yeah. which was just ridiculous, but so cool where he catches it. Um, so I think- it's artwork it was just it yeah. was a beautifully choreographed piece of creative animation fight sequence nonsense i love seeing what you'd expect to see this rampage look like get turned on its head with that level of creativity in the in the actual combat it was just I just kept laughing in like the most sick twisted way because it was <laughs> which I love you clones you are you will be my favorite part of the clone wars other than Ahsoka like forever but um that was just satisfying in a weird sick twisty way to watch him yeah yeah and it it goes back to like Yoda and chopping through people and Obi-Wan chop and mm-hmm. just the way this like horrific event affected people differently and and like again it's why like i think about maul in the hallway versus vader in the hallway and like vader feels like business professional like just mm-hmm. gotta do my job maul's like maul's like <laughs> relishing it you know like like i think i think maul is like actually there's a part of him that like really enjoys getting set loose on these people yeah and, oh yeah and it's like yeah it's it's like brutal but like you said like there's this weird thing about it that's really satisfying (laughs) it really is (laughs) it's also the first time that we really see any star wars character you know in the canon using the force like that just going through people without needing a lightsaber or even force lightning i mean he's it's just raw anger and and power he's using and there's something, yeah, like you guys were saying, that's so satisfying to see. Like, as much as I love the Rogue One Vader scene, because that is phenomenal, this one is like, it goes on longer, and you, it's just, it's more brutal. Because, mm-hmm. like, Maul doesn't care. He's got one goal, and, and of course. But, yeah, there's something about, like, as soon as you see the the uh, the Venator um, get out of hyperspace, and it's just all crisp and, and about to crash, the first thing I, was, I thought of was like, Holy shit, Maul just did that. Yes. <laughs> Maul just did that. And I love I love how he throws it all back in Ahsoka's face. Because I guess right. he, he could see her he could see her um you know being self-defense and not killing him and like and like look at her and be like, what are you doing? And so his only one line of the of the sh- of the episode is like, what are you judging me for? You asked for this. Like, exactly. And and like he he like uh it's it's so amazing and it's like he's there's so little maul in this final installment but it's it's insane what 
we got out of it. And again, it's like one line and that's it. It's like, it's nuts. I loved the shot where Ahsoka swings right at his neck. Yes. And then a couple shots later, he's like checking to see if he got hit. Yeah. <laughs> he's spooked. He is spooked yeah. AF. It's, it's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> one of my favorite lines. <laughs> one of my favorite lines from Rebels is um, running away again, Lady Tano. And I was just. It, it, what a bitch. What right. a fucking little shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, isn't that amazing? Like we talk about, like going on that line. It, we like we've always thought about. Oh my god, what is the history of that line? It it says so much in five words, and <laughs> and it's like how amazing it is that? it? Like I guess we always yeah we always believed it would be this scenario of like oh maybe like Maul was on the Maul had the high ground and Ahsoka ran for whatever reason and <laughs> da- and Dave and Dave flipped that on us and. It's it's so amazing that he still does that because it's it's like true to character. It's true to like Maul's perspective. Because in fairness, he could have been saying, "Oh well, she's trying to run away in that shuttle. I'm going to I'm going to jack that shuttle." And so, like in his mind, his perspective could be, "Oh well, she was just going to run away too." Yeah. And it's so amazing that he can, like, in this weird circle of events, because Rebels came first, like. Maul can sit in Malachor and still feel like he's right calling her out on running away, but also mm-hmm. twisting this dagger of guilt con- like just consistently in Ahsoka, even whatever, 15 years later. And it's like, God damn it, Dave. <laughs> like, how, do you, how do you take something that seems so it seems so straightforward and change it and add layer after layer after layer of of this this lady Tano old master relationship it's like oh yeah my God. there's a couple lines like I, I have to ask rex one day as if he's a real character oh my god <laughs> but i have to <laughs> he real he's real in our hearts he Corey. exactly hey, exactly i 100 agree <laughs> um like what when he said to kanan kanan's like i don't i don't i don't trust the i don't trust the clones they betray the jedi and he's just like well, I, I didn't betray my jedi general I was like, well, <laughs> came pretty fucking close. <laughs> you did shoot at her. <laughs> He's like, we we took out our ships. We all have a choice. Um, and uh, yeah, it just really. It, it, we said this last night on on my show, but like with Gregor, something happened. <laughs> like mm-hmm. trying to take out his ship, and something happened. Because he he has just lost his mind. Like a part of it is still in there. Yeah, we just, oh, well, my headcanon is that between the episode we saw him last, you know, that big um, big fight with the droids, mm-hmm. I just assume that he yeah, has, he's had like 20 other like near head injuries. That was <laughs> my assumption too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. explosion shook him up good. <laughs> he Maybe he didn't sketch, even need the chip removed. A piece of his skull is crushed. Yeah, they're, just like, they're just like, maybe we'll just take this out anyway. Because God knows we need a like psychotic Republic commando going crazy on us. Um, <laughs> let's just take that out anyway. Um, but yeah, that's it's fascinating you bring that up too because it's like, yeah, to what degree was that maybe another sort of very soft retcon of like this was an idea before, but now I this feel is like they kind of what happened. Yeah. They do. I feel like they kind of answer it in terms of. There's a big, there's a great scene later on, and we'll go depth a little bit later. But um, the whole semantics argument, where Rex is like, "Yeah, she's not really a Jedi, so you know, <laughs> let her go." <laughs> like, all I, of it us. Totally makes sense to me that 
Ahsoka like trying to comfort Rex would be like, no, you you told me about fives. Like there was a piece of you that knew to tell me about that. And yeah. so like you knew not to do that. You knew it was the wrong thing and you knew I had to fix it. So I feel like that's something she can like tell him at some point to give him some sort of like comfort in, in what went on, what his role was. Yeah. As opposed to, Agreed. well, technically my general was Anakin Skywalker and he was busy killing kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, uh, and she's not Jedi, so it doesn't count. <laughs> hey. Oh, I just man. killed a yeah, I, <laughs> I do wonder what Rex's take is on Anakin now. Like, what does he think happened with Anakin? Because obviously Ahsoka told Rex about what Maul said. So I'm just, I, I wonder what Ahsoka and Rex's frame of mind are right now. Like, mm. I mean, clearly they're distraught. There's no doubt about it. But I, I, I always like, I just wonder what their predictions on things are. Like, what happened to this person and that person? Because I mean, of course, we, we've seen Rex mingle with Cody tons of times. Like, Rex must be thinking they're all dead. Like, all, all his brothers, all the ones he, he he fought with are just gone. And I really, 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 really want to see a story of how Rex ends up meeting up with Wolf and Gregor. Because I mm-hmm. think that needs to be told. And I'd I, also like to know... Uh, what what is the plan from here? That's like one thing that I just you know it's something I don't need to see. Um, I would I would think it'd be kind of neat in comics maybe. Um, like because we get a lot of Inquisitor people on the run nonsense. Who thinks Ahsoka is alive? What do Anakin or not Anakin? Um, well, yes, Anakin. But what do Obi Wan and Yoda think? Did Ahsoka? Do they think Ahsoka made it out alive? Can they feel her through the Force? Do they dare even check for her? And um, it's interesting to think about, like, at what point do Ahsoka and Rex decide to split up because they get reunited in Rebels and that most absolutely beautiful, beautiful moment where they kind of go back to their Clone Wars selves, um, Cap, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, I'd, there's a lot of questions that this finale <laughs> brings out in me. That, like, yeah. That's, that's a particular choice that I find very comforting. Um, I think you would, if you would have asked me before, I would have said probably it'll end with them splitting up. But I think in retrospect, like it's such a downer, and there's so much loss in this episode. Seeing the, seeing it end with them together, like sort of safe yeah. in each other's um, company, I think that's like that's like the one silver lining. And <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad they didn't change that because it's like I don't yeah. know if we could have gone on with it without knowing <laughs> they were together. And I didn't expect that, to be honest with you. I thought that whatever happened in this episode would end up splitting them up for some reason physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm very thankful that it didn't. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. I think like we there's so many stories that can be told from this endpoint, which I feel like is a great sign. And like we said, like I really hope that these sort of the models and like the way the Clone Wars was done can continue in like mi- like movies and such. Um, yeah, and cont- contain the characters, but not necessarily be the Clone Wars, obviously, because it's not the Clone mm. Wars. Um, but Corey, like you said about like the Wolf and Gregor element, I feel like yeah. a really another character I want to see Rex interact with after this event, and could potentially yes. be a great villain for the piece, including those other characters, is Cody. Mm. Oh, because dude, yes, they're like BFFs. <laughs> 
And the idea of maybe like, oh, well, this, this clone trooper, we're looking for him. He was an enemy. We'll get these group of people that knew him best. They got like um, Wolf, Cody, Gregor. And maybe at some point, like Rex gets the chips out of Wolf and Gregor. And then like Cody's like the one who's trying to cut them. Um, that'd be cool. <laughs> Yeah, imagine that story where Cody's, like, yeah, trying to, like, working, busting ass to, like, find them. And then, like, the end of that, the clone army gets decommissioned. And he's like, what? (laughs) It's like, it's like, oh, my God. Dave had said once that originally in Rebels, they were going to have, like, nine clones on the ATTE. That's right. So I feel like there's definitely room for a story with Rex finding these clones and, and having... I would imagine that doesn't the Empire know that like Rex and Wolf and Gregor are there? Mm-hmm. Like, so I mean, it would be interesting if there's a point in time where the Empire sends clones to take out clones who are like rebelling or clones who somehow they know took out their chips. You know, so, it is part hmm. of the directive, technically, right? Right, exactly. So, I mean, having Cody personally go after Rex would be a heartbreaking thing to watch, but also a great way to start connecting I, the commanders together. It's funny you bring up that that group of clones, because I remember Dave saying, I think Jesse was one of them. Like, <laughs> yeah, Jesse was, yeah. <laughs> yep. And now he's like, you killed him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to, I want to see Cody feel guilt. Yes. I want to see it. I don't want to read it. I want to see it. I want to have that interaction. I want to have him deeply upset yeah <laughs> i don't know it's like a dark thing to want to have to see but i want to see that sort of regret and i feel like that'd be a cool story to have oh yeah and um, you know it could also be something where it doesn't have to be a full animated series but a disney plus animated film they could do it absolutely and i think absolutely you know, I, what's I, the official runtime of siege of mandalore like put together it, it's around like two hours yeah the, the, the full runtime Just yeah because keep throwing those at us man it works <laughs> yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah and they've got the models there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, I, like, if we know anything about the Clone Wars, they had a, they did a pretty good job at, like, keeping the models, upgrading small things over time, and saving budget. As long as they get the budget for it, which is, like, the big issue, that would be mm. interesting to see. And I feel like a lot of the shots in this episode were pretty great and very visually telling. Like, you didn't have to say anything. It just visually tells you mm, stuff. Right. Um, like we said, the, um, the Venator crashing towards the ground. Is such a great sort of symbol of the um, of the Republic, <laughs> literally crashing. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, at that time, presumably, that's when Palpatine is announced in the Empire. Right. Um, well, so I think also when they crazy. pan to Jesse's helmet and seeing the Republic symbol, you know, symbolizes also the the death of the Republic. It's over. It's done. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, it's. God, Literally, so a, the Republic symbol on his helmet is his literal grave marker. Yep. It's it just... is. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. with dust and blood marks on it. Oof. Yeah, what does that I tell you? <laughs> I did not expect the, uh, the blood marks. Yeah. I'm okay. We're all okay. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we've got, I've got some cool little things here. Um, Obviously, the, the, the Kevin Kiner did an amazing job again. Like, like the, the synth in this, these last two episodes were just next tier level, like incredible. Um, I really like the the line about the, the uh, 
him being demoted. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Flex. that's that's vintage Star Wars too, right? Like being exactly. on the verge of like death, comedy and still in the Dark Tower line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, legend. Uh, that sweet lightsaber move, the Force, which is just—I'm still thinking about she it. Cuts where the hole in the floor. Like, oh, cuts the yeah, hole. yeah. <laughs> That's like yeah, one of those things. Exactly, and it's like one of those things where this happened a lot to me during the first part, and I think as the second and third and fourth happened, I started thinking less about it. But literally watching old friends not forgotten, I f- like I could feel around me as if I was at like a celebration screening. And like I could hear the applause yeah. lines, and like, mm-hmm. and if they showed this scene, and the part where Ahsoka throws those sabers down and spins them through the core, like people would have lost their fucking shit. And like you can feel it <laughs> when you watch it, and it's it's like it's, it's so amazing. Yeah, what a moment! Like I, I remember what we said before. Like I I always said um, with the Clone Wars trailers from like years ago. There'd be sometimes they'd put in like temp music from the mm-hmm. films, um, and sometimes I felt like, oh well, I love Kevin Kinder's music, but I'd love to hear his interpretation or like use that particular theme for this scene. I remember season five with the Battle of Mandalore, and they used that Darth Sidious theme. I was like, that would have been so awesome yes. just to have that. But with this last season, it's like he's been allowed to do that, and it just works so well. Like I, like you said, Nikki, about people cheering. Like if we watch that first episode where uh, where the Anakin's theme starts playing <laughs> when um, he attacks the uh, the droids, we'd all be going yeah, crazy. It, 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 it just like it's it's like not it's not imaginary. It's the weirdest thing, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like I can't yeah. even describe it. It's just called the scene. Yeah. Um, and I feel like another thing that is so ingrained in the Clone Wars itself is the idea of droids not just being. Uh, redundant like partners they're actually like they're part of the crew mm. and I mean R7 cheap GGBB oh yeah legends man oh man they they need to be honored on stage at Star Wars Celebration they are and and it's so weird because we hear the Wilhelm Yoda not the Yoda scream what the fuck is wrong with me sound effect for so often and it's usually in a comical moment when you know that someone's going to get put back together anyway mm-hmm. you know so yeah. hearing it here and knowing how final it was i think more so for for sweet sweet cheapy and gg um mm-hmm. cuz we do see uh, a little pile of of uh our seven, seven. fragments yeah. putting, being put together towards the uh, the end but watching them assassinate GG. Then they and call cheap. them dirty droids. Dirty, dirty freaking droids. Yeah. And hearing oh that scream, God. I don't think I can ever hear that scream the same way again. Because yeah. before there was always some light at the end of the tunnel. There was some sort of hope to put them back together. Kill me. And it's an amazing piece of the droids because it's like, again, for as heavy as this was, they provide that sort of like, again, with like with Rex, like the Star Wars levity and just how silly yeah. it is to be dropping platforms of clone troopers and like pushing him back up like some demented tower of terror um, <laughs> to like like to save and like to save like that's how they get out of the situation it's like it's it's so brilliantly star wars because again it's like it doesn't 
take itself too seriously, but it believes in itself. And yeah, and it's like that. That's such a great balance that these episodes had. The droids are vital to that. that. And that left is such a great name. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> every time Ahsoka said GG, I'm like, that's awesome. It's such a cool little and the poor little cheap is you yeah. know like the the pre chopper. Mm-hmm. You know, at first I, I was like, is that gonna be Chopper? Like, are they gonna say like somehow that that's actually him? And no, but... cheap, cheap. So Chopper could chop. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Oh, <laughs> <the name. laughs> away. I'll tell you one thing. Also, like, um, the first time I got like. The tears started coming was when Ahsoka's trying to pull back that shuttle and R7 yeah. like sees the, the other people and he's like runs over to her and then just gets popped in the head. And then yeah. and then oh, Rex so is getting like shot in the pauldron, like and like peppered with these things. And and then Kev fucking Kevin Kiner is like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, you having fun here? Here's Ahsoka's theme in full yeah. force. And it's just like, yeah. oh my god! Like I'm overwhelmed watching this, and and then of course Ahsoka does, you know, she has that Star Wars moment that every great Star Wars character has, where you gotta let go, and yeah, and she and lets go, and it's like, oh my god, what am I watching? <laughs> I think the greatest thing about this arc too is like you were saying, Kevin Kiner, kind of like especially in Shattered, pretty much like the first half was almost mute, and it was carried with the, with the mm-hmm. music. And um, yeah, he made sure to hit every single emotional beat possible in this episode. But mm-hmm. Ahsoka's theme, every time they would play the sort of dramatic version of it, is it's I this guy man, he's like one of the best in the business. Every single time, and he did it in Rebels too. Every single time he hit, wants to hit those emotional beats, he gets it done perfectly. It's amazing to have a relationship with um the the you know the the visuals and the, you know the the script side to be the same it's the same way John Williams does with the films where it's like you could give this guy a story by credit because like the way him and he's had this you know long term relationship the way John Williams has amazingly done nine movies of the same <laughs> saga and yeah. Kevin Kiner's had that same opportunity to to like embed himself so deeply in animated stories that like he just gets it and it's it's like they're they're the two you know musical geniuses of Star Wars where they you know they understand it so deeply at its like fundamental core that then making the score for it is just it's like it's like they're there in the script process as well it's it's right insane how how good they are at that job it's always in sync and i i love when kevin um talks about how it, you know how in tune they all are with it with and he him and dave talk on on a regular basis so you know the dynamic has always been there uh between the two of them and that's why it works so well i think mm-hmm. i did that also like there was a lot of um sort of like we always say star wars always sort of nods towards old elements and other parts of the films there were two films in particular that i feel like this episode really had in common and that is obviously if this is taking place near the end of Revenge of the Sith, it was kind of like the flip of the beginning of that film, where we had it, it reminded me of the beginning of the Invisible Hand crash. Yeah, for sure. If that makes sense, yeah. um, which was kind of like a nice little 
I don't know, like like a mirrored reflection of the whole sort of experience right. um, of them trying to escape this crashing ship. Um, but also as well, like a lot of Empire Strikes Back with the music, mm-hmm. like um, especially like the asteroids theme, like the do 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 do, do like that sort of like. Um, dramatic flourish with the uh, with, with the music. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed that and it added to the tension of them trying to escape this sort of horrible um, this horrible event. And I feel like we talked a little bit about the clone memorial. <laughs> but oh. that just visual in itself is just <laughs> haunting. And the body mounds, like the fact that they... she Like Ahsoka, not only does she say she doesn't want to hurt anyone, but she... Her and Rex actively go into the wreckage and find everybody they can and bury yeah. them. That yeah. is, it, it. You don't have to see them do it. Mm-hmm. It just says and, a lot. It just says a lot. You about also that don't need to hear them say anything. Mm-mm. It's no. exactly. it's just there. It's there to be shown. And I think, like everyone would say, I, I know a lot of people, and even us, we discussed like, what can we see in the last episode of the Clone Wars? Perhaps we'll see. Baby Luke, we'll see Obi-Wan Kenobi, we'll see Yoda, we'll see blah, blah, blah. Like, the last episode of The Clone Wars ends with, like, what, eight minutes, six minutes of silence? Mm-hmm. And it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, there's no... And I wouldn't change it. Very light like, score. There's no talking for, like, I think five minutes, right? Five, six minutes. Mm-hmm. That, that, that just visual of, um, like, obviously, what they've been through, the remorse, the... Like Ahsoka, the way Ahsoka's hand, she like, she doesn't want to let go of the lightsaber. Right. She's 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 conflicted, and then she just knows she has to do it, so she just lets her hand just sort of slip. Um, it's like her saber itself is obviously a, a beautiful blend between Anakin and Obi Wan, so it's kind of like their relationship as well is collapsed. Yeah. Um, I love that hilt. The Jedi so much. themselves are gone. It's so good. <laughs> Probably my favorite hilt. Same. Yep. And yeah, and it's obviously it's like her saying no, no more. There was at the beginning of the arc she was sort of questioning, maybe I'll come back to the Jedi, and now there's no chance. And the tragedy of all that, the like you said, the Republic is there on display. That's the end of the Republic, the crash ship, the dead clones. Um, and then there's this beautiful transition where it goes from the uh, the beautiful yellow lights of the Lambda class shuttle, which I mean, I swear to God, if you know me, you know that my favorite ship of all time is the Lambda Clash. Lambda, show. baby. Seeing, yes. it, seeing that in Clone Wars style was just, Jeez. oh, <laughs> give me the chills. Well, what gave they me the chills to do that to me, but they did. Uh, was the immediate um, battalion of snow troopers following yeah. that beautiful Lambda class. I'm like, there's the Clone Wars, yeah. but they're, oh. Yeah. <laughs> my babies. The probe droids yeah. and the other like kind of standardized stormtroopers. It's like shit. And the big elephant the in the room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing real quick, just to go back, because I, I was thinking about this as you said it uh, about Ahsoka is, um, I like the the reversal of having Ahsoka in at the end of the Clone Wars. Like it's Ahsoka the Gray, essentially, right? She has is is it's a very depressing sort of color, right? It's it's very gray. It's it's, it, but then at the end of Rebels, there's hope again. The, the Empire is destroyed. She's got the the white robes on, mm-hmm. and I love that they paralleled that with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Ahsoka the White. It's so good. Yeah. It's pure Dave oh, as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. Nerd! <laughs> <laughs> Tolkien nerd! <laughs> uh, we love to see it. Absolutely. Um, obviously, like the big, sort of, like we said, the big elephant in the room. Um, last time we all sort of talked about our major, um, what we want to see in the finale. And I had one major thing, and that was Darth Vader. <laughs> and we ding, got ding, him, ding, ding. Uh, the bad boy himself. I got it spoiled for me, but <laughs> I got it nonetheless. Yeah, um, I guess the big question for you guys uh, before we start talking about him is what period do you think that this takes place, this whole sequence? Because the major telling signs for me are one, the um, the imperial look of the the troops seem to be more. It's not immediately after the Clone Wars because there's no V wings or such like that. They're proper imperial sort of designs. Um, also, you can see on Vader's hilt, he's got his lightsaber, which means that it's definitely like after a year of Revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith, because mm-hmm. um, obviously he's gone off and got his lightsaber and built his hilt. Um, so yeah, <laughs> when do we think this takes place? Um, I I would think we're talking two to three years after Revenge of the Sith, um, only because I, I do think this happens before Rebels. I, I think that Vader 100% thinks Ahsoka's dead because he's so taken off guard when he senses her through the Force, you know, says the apprentice lives. So I, I think... You know, I, I wonder if he stumbled upon all of that by accident, or if he was actively searching for Ahsoka. You know, so I think that's kind of my biggest question with that. But um, yeah, so I think it's definitely before Rebels. Um, and uh, yeah, I had I had the exact same instinct. Um, I I imagined it as fitting in like. Or like so, it felt very thematically relevant to the end of the Clone Wars, also because it is just depressing. And I I loved this idea of we've taken some time, we've established the Empire, and now this guy is living in his empty shell of Darth Vader, just kind of wondering what happened. Right. And, and we see, I think we sort of see have seen this through the comics as well, where. You have this version of Vader who's like, well, I'm going to find out what happened to Padme. I'm going to find out all this stuff. And he's got his two, apart from Obi-Wan, his two best friends he traveled the galaxy with. And there's something like really achingly painful and like just alone about the whole thing of this Anakin buried deep down living in this world where I guess the Empire is the future now. There's no rebellion. We have, you know, quote unquote, peace but this piece of him inside that still needs to know what happened. And he has these right. like this like passion project to go find it. And, right. and he does find it and there's nothing there. And, but he finds the lightsaber and it's like that. That's his like last, one of his last pieces until he finds Luke, I guess one of his last pieces of, he turns it on. He like, he, he made that saber blue. He fixed that. And, it's one of my favorite things ever is that he keeps it and it's like it's like oh my god and so yeah to me it fits thematically to keep it in this era where there isn't hope and it's like you know he and he's just this shell of a guy 
the like the the real the re, maybe the real Clone Wars was the friends we lost along the way kind of vibe, and right. and it's like and you get that shot of the helmet and it's like the the helmet with the painted face of Ahsoka and the visor of the clones. You know, you know you can say Ahsoka and Rex combined watching him fade in the distance, and it's like that that I think is extremely like thematically fitting and i think also does sort of set the the groundwork for the the feeling her in siege of lothal because i honestly like when i think of vader in that moment i also think like like for a surprise he is there is sort of this like well oh shit kind of thing like right. he's not like oh my god oh my god <laughs> he's like so the she's alive <laughs> And right. and I think part of that part of that with the saber is maybe that maybe picking up that saber planted this just tiniest morsel somewhere deep that that she got away, and right. and um and sort of that then sensing her in the siege of Lothal is like oh we're on now, and um yeah so I I'm with Corey I felt I didn't really place at any other point on like initial in like instinct watch but you know hearing other other suggestions of the timeline I think are just as in- intriguing in their own way, especially with, you know, like Morai flying above. Morai, baby. That bird. That bird <laughs> just everywhere. <laughs> that pesky bird. You know, for being dead, the sister is pretty great. <laughs> <showing up. laughs> yeah, right? Goat. And also, just, just, the, the moment he, seeing Vader with a blue lightsaber. Oh, was, oh, oh no. Juicy. Yeah. Oh, the ultimate God. symbolism yeah. of him. I think yeah. the ultimate symbolism is seeing Vader with a blue lightsaber turn it off. That's the last yeah. shot. That is like, oh. Um, what about you, Claire? When, when do you think this takes place? I've been pretty torn because there's part of me that's like, what in the heck are they doing on that planet? Um, and how would they know to even look there if he wasn't looking for Ahsoka, which would have given me the idea that maybe she's alive. Um, but that being said, there's a whole, you know plethora of reasons that they could be looking um at the wreckage for something um to hunt down fragments and and maybe just because vader or palpatine needs a proof finding mission that that certain jedi have been eliminated check them off their order 66 shopping list if you will um (laughs) but you know i really I'm, i'm starting to think that this is placed more like I, I'm torn because it clearly some time has passed. Um, because uh, Dan Grievous pointed this out last night on Corey's show, um, the erosion and you know yeah. it's been covered by snow and time has passed um, clearly. Yeah. But I don't think it's admittedly that much time. Maybe a year or two. Um, yeah. I what think is that the, this uh, is probably the, uh, science of getting a lightsaber to have rest. <laughs> I, got no I need i need an exact uh time frame for <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite things is that the wikipedia page for um this unknown planet says that natural fauna and like animals as uh the convores and i'm like i don't think that's how uh, i don't think that's what it's a little too literal no. right there i think uh, <laughs> sometimes they have wait. sandstorms sometimes they have snowstorms <laughs> it's just a natural part of life there. It's like a, it's like a <laughs> mystical bird. <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be yeah. like... Yeah. There's yeah. a load of... I mean, what's yeah. the word? The a- avatar is like the word, right? That's yeah. used for that. 
it's not really a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but where I would place this, it's um, if for anyone who read the Charles Charles Soule first Vader arc ending with uh, a Vader comics ending with uh, his his castle where he's trying to contact and, and resurrect Padme through the force. Um, mm. That beautiful story. I feel like we are approaching that point, but have not passed it. And the reason I say that is because I feel like after that point in that comic, there's a switch that's flipped. She's never coming back and he loses that piece of humanity in mm-hmm. him. That's all it. But I feel like he's very, very Anakin in the way, the tenderness with which he he picks it up and, and inspects it and keeps it. Why would he keep the lightsaber? Um, I feel like the total Vader move would be to cast it aside if he had truly, um, if he truly I didn't have that piece of Anakin anymore in him anymore. And as Charlie had pointed out in our, in our group chat, um, why would we see the human being underneath the mask through mm-hmm. those red tinted lenses? If he was, you know, gone at this point, because in those comics, like, like immediately post revenge of the Sith, there's still some doubt in him and there's still hope to go back to some sense of normal. And I feel like, that's the point that we're at. We haven't completely given up on um, or mostly given up on our humanity left. There's something still holding on. And I think that it's interesting that we do see sweet baby Morai or whatever convoy mm-hmm. that is chilling up in the sky um, because that means something so deep and such an important pivotal part of his own force journey was on Mortis and that will never not be connected to Ahsoka and to that experience. Um, so uh, it's interesting. He does. He just seems too, too human to be all that close to a new hope to me. So, mm-hmm. or to yeah. rebels. Um, yeah. I think that's always a really fascinating discussion about Vader when it's like, to what degree is like Anakin conscious? Yeah. Right. Like, it's thank like, you. Yeah. I was about to say like, that is the perfect sort of opening point from when I think I this takes place. Oh, because, you, you run with uh, it then. There you go. Yeah, sorry. Because uh, <laughs> that's what Dave kind of said today. It's like, um, it's interesting, <laughs> like the way people view these things. Like, is there good in Anakin? Like, is Anakin there? Yeah. We view it like we, we're putting that on him. And I feel like it's the same with, like, I think people did the same thing with, like, season two of Rebels was like, yeah, no, they're still good in him. Like, he's, there's Anakin yeah. there. It's Ahsoka. And he was like, no, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, that's- But there is still good in him. He's, his son is able to change him back. There's something lying dormant in there. How can there not be? There is right. good in him, but also it's 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 very locked down. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. the man like, moody how, chest. <laughs> how deep will it continue to be buried? Like that's Exactly. Like, that's like where we are, yeah, for sure. And that's what I find interesting about the whole like when it takes place because in my mind my immediate thought was either post siege of the fall or post um twilight because mm-hmm. i think i think at the minute my my brain is post siege of the fall because it feels like he didn't even think about soka because i feel like anakin is kind of like the thing we forget as well is like he's selfish like he mm. spends a decent amount of time trying to bring padme back he doesn't stop after the comics we see in um, 
we see also in the um the, the VR game yeah the VR game Theater like Immortal, he, yeah yeah he's still doing it like he doesn't like he's still desperately trying to bring back Padme and I don't know if that's a hundred percent selfless reason it's obviously a selfish reason he wants her back um and I I feel like there's a bit of goodness in him like searching for a soak but also like it's just confirmation of, of of what he felt the same way she goes out. For, I like the idea of that while she's going out for confirmation, like we hear in Rebel season two, like when she's not there for a few times, like she's, they say that she's gone, he's gone out. She's gone out to um, investigate the Sith Lord. I feel like he's in the same thing. And if anything, Morai is the, is the confirmation. It's the proof. Like, cause Morai and Ahsoka have this shared sort of link, obviously like the, the bridge between life and death. And it's the same sort of, I feel like he gets either like concern or reassurance in the season two finale of Rebels, where it's like, that hour's still there. <laughs> so he's so still alive. Um, it's the same sort of look as well, which I really, I really enjoyed. It's the same, like, he doesn't have to say anything. He just knows she's out there. Um, right. He might not necessarily do anything about it. The thing that comes into my head is that the reason why I think it's in Rebels timeline is because despite anakin's goodness he is also scared of the emperor mm-hmm. um and i feel like moray is an obvious p- point of proof he's very smart he, he was a mortis he understands all that stuff he knows that that means she's alive and i feel like he would have told the emperor and from what we've seen rebels it feels like that's the first time he tells the emperor that there's any sort of idea of her surviving um this um yeah this like single question is like <laughs> The magic of Star Wars fandom. <laughs> it's like, because it, like we all have these things that feel like like totally right to us, and and like every option has these intriguing alleyways. And the best part is, Dave Filoni will never tell us. Yes, <laughs> like well, like it's, we're all it's, right. It's, yeah, we're all right. it's like it's for us to figure out, and and it's like it that's that's sort of like the purity of star Wars speculation, like at its best. Yeah. I, I like seeing, I saw somebody even mention that they think it takes place in between, um, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Ooh. And like that there's something about Anakin slowly coming back. And when he finds this Ahsoka saber, it's, it's another sort of like, I guess symbolism that Anakin is slowly coming back to who he was. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, and obviously that's because you know he just he just met Luke in Empire, so that's gonna. <laughs> exactly. He's like, I'm gonna give this to my son. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did cut off his hand, and his lightsaber fell off. He's like, this is the replacement. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got no lightsaber, and this is a good one. I know because yeah. I made it myself. <laughs> Dad, you got a hand in there. Well, you need a hand, right? <laughs> Whose hand is that? He's like, why is he trying to run oh. away from me? I'm just trying to give him this gift. <laughs> I saw an owl. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> um, oh, I want to kill it. <laughs> I think my oh, friend man. is alive. Last hey. time I saw her, some kid grabbed her. <laughs> it was neat. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it, that's like actually... I know it's like not really Clone Wars related, but that's the question I've always had too. Is like when Ahsoka gets pulled through that portal, does Vader ever go like, "Hmm, okay, like 
should I maybe go back and see what's up? Or is he more like, okay. He's, he's like so, falling, right? As it happens. Yeah, he right? fell, but I can't yeah. imagine like his, he just looks up real quick and sees Ahsoka being sucked in through this yeah. portal and just being like, oh, what? You know, this <laughs> oh, is man. so confused. <laughs> I, love, I love that so, scene so much. It, that scene is such a flex. It's like, <laughs> it is, it really oh is. Oh my God. Yeah. And also, uh, when you go back and watch the season two finale, like when he's crawling out, like he's like proper damaged, his face mask is bad. He's like, "What the hell just happened?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's like, and he sort of more eyes. Like, she's not dead still. Do you know what? I'm gonna give up. I'm gonna give up. Convert <laughs> <laughs> again. Like, you know what? I I want to kill you, but I'm just I'm done. <laughs> I trained you too well. <laughs> yeah. Like it's my fault. <laughs> And then Morai's like, mm-hmm, that's right, you walk away. <laughs> <laughs> and she does the squeal. Yep. She goes back into the... <laughs> she clicks her fingers like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just Z-formation. Uh, Claire, did you want to talk about, uh, sort of with Rex and Ahsoka, that, that brotherhood and family identity? You know, I, I've, I feel like I touched on it a little bit, but it's just the one thing is that... The one thing that I hope does get explored is just um, what happens now. One of the eras that I feel like I have wanted a lot more storytelling on is um, what happens to the clones when we transition to the Empire? What happens to life Mm -hmm. after the Republic for these people who their entire lives were fighting for the Republic? And um, what emotional consequence does having that order 66 moment do for these people when it comes to their own sense of humanity and their own sense of identity and uh where do we go from here because both rex and ahsoka you know i'm thankful that they leave together because they only have each other now ahsoka lost her jedi family she lost her master she lost everything and she lost the respect of a group of people um, that painted their helmets in honor of her, even though they didn't, you know, she wasn't even a part of the Republic anymore, even though that's what their identity was, was serve the Republic. They still honored her as a human being enough to do that. And um, that's one of the, the hardest parts of this episode for me is the loss of family and the loss yeah. of identity that both of them experience and i really do hope that we get to explore that a little bit it's so it just it makes you feel so empty it's so yeah. devastating <laughs> yeah feel good and, and <laughs> the the track that um kevin used for that called burying the dead like as the track goes on it does make you feel very alone and very empty and very like like just this despair and yeah, I mean, I like I can't even imagine where Ahsoka's headspace is at, let alone Rax just losing literally all his brothers. You know, I mean, that's something I really hope does get explored. I feel like to a degree it it did with um uh, with Rebels, and like you see mm. you see how much of a point he's trying to prove, right? And like you you have this we talk about sort of the burial of identity and sort of being replaced with the faceless, you know, nonsense of the stormtroopers. And when we pick him up in Rebels, like, we have this Rex who's, like, ready to prove that the clones aren't, like, like he's like, I'm ready to stand for everyone who, who lost. And you see it with um, 
the degree to which he wants he needs to finish that last battle right and um and sort of stand up for the clones again and you see it with uh you better you better bring every single stormtrooper <laughs> to our planet <laughs> yeah. because we're going to take you out cuz we're better we're clones blah 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 um and i think that's that's why i love rex so much in rebels like if more if or if not more than i do in clone wars cuz like he he's really um like he's really fighting for something like personal and trying to regain something that he lost and um yeah it's 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 pretty magical that's why i, yeah. I really love like you said rex and rebels as well is that like cuz obviously it feels co- we associate the clones with like the films in terms of like when they take over they become the empire but actually the clones themselves like without the chip they do truly truly love the republic and what it stood for mm-hmm. so when rex is fighting for the alliance he's literally fighting to rest- like to restore the alliance to the republic sorry mm-hmm. um, right so yeah it's kind of beautiful that he gets to do that along with like gregor and wolf um but for the others, I've just—it's kind of like a depressing. I think that gets touched upon in Rebels as well. It's like a kind of depressing. Is that like real life? They're just people that live their own lives now, get paid a check every now and again, and then they die at the old age of for them like twenty. <laughs> yeah. Imperial p- pension plan kicks in at twenty. <laughs> oh my god! I love, I love that a check every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Public credit. Is those those old men losing it again? Yeah, they're fine. Okay, <laughs> just send them the check and forget about them. Oh, and the, no. we see the disrespect towards them as well. Like yeah, people yeah. Are like they're just clones. It's like they fought yeah, <laughs> for and, you, and like that's their attitude. He's like, how dare you? Like, how dare you treat us like that? Like, again, like bring every stormtrooper you've got because you're gonna need them because we're gonna kick their ass. And like, yeah. it's it's. It's such a flex for that character, and I love it. I love to, I love to see, getting to see him do that journey. And again, we talk about we talk about the things like Fives did, and it's like how that extends. And you know, Rex and Ahsoka surviving this helps the the rebellion win, and it's, oh, yeah. it's it just all comes back home. Absolutely. Uh, well, I feel like we have got two more questions, and then we'll wrap up. Um, so this is sort of a quick one for us all. Um, which is, what was our favorite arc of the show over, overall? Uh, Corey, do you want to go first? Oh, well, uh, yeah, so I, Umbara was always my favorite Star Wars story of all time. That was always number one, and that was also my favorite Clone Wars arc. But realistically, the payoff in Siege of Mandalore for literally almost every important moment throughout the show, I think, has to make that my favorite arc. Siege of Mandalore is definitely number one. Okay, perfect. Uh, Nikki? I mean, yeah, totally agreed. It's like it's really hard to not. <laughs> it's really hard to not pick Siege of Mandalore. Um, so, for for sake of of you know exploring other options, um, the Slavers arc has always been my favorite. Uh, the mm. sort of like the oh, one that nice. starts with the Tagruta colony and ends with the escape from Kadavo. I always found that to be like a really like per- like a perfect pocket Star Wars story. It kind of had everything in it. Um, so yeah, that that's always the one I, I go to, and the and the younglings. Oh fuck, yeah, <laughs> it's so much. No, sticking with the slavers. Sticking with the slavers. <laughs> what about you, Claire? <laughs> um, yeah, I I have to echo that it's really really hard not to pick Siege of Mandalore. Um, but 
I have to say that there are a few things that have blown my mind and changed how I view Star Wars in general quite as much as the Mortis arc. Um, mm. That will always have a very special place in my heart. And I remember just watching it like with my jaw hanging open and just being like, this changes how I view the Force. Like this is mm-hmm. a lot is freaking going on. Um, <laughs> a lot of identity <laughs> crisis over there. It was an absolute game changer, and the symbolism that is carried from that arc through the rest of the series and impacted how how we think about the Force. I, I gotta I gotta say, Mortis. That's awesome. Well, obviously, you know that my favorite arc is clearly the uh, the banking clan. <laughs> and the, uh... <laughs> no, no, just kidding. <laughs> is that the Clovis one? The yeah, <laughs> dude, that art, that art slaps. Like, no joke, no joke. Like, I always think about that thought experiment of like, what if episode one was uh, the attack of the clones, and then episode two was like a Clone War story, and then episode three ended. And I always think like that banker's arc would have made a killer like second movie because it kind of develops everything you need to develop for episode three. I will say one of my favorite bits is when Clovis is like. Yeah, you Jedi, you piece of dirt. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Why don't you just throw your lightsaber down? We'll use our uh, fists instead. Anakin's like, you mean my metal one? Yeah, okay, come on then. <laughs> <laughs> does not, does not think that through whatsoever. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, in reality, I feel like I like again. We have so many favorite Star Wars stories, but the one that really blew my mind, and it's got sort of a, it feels like it feels like the most George of them all. And also explains a lot of stuff that I like is the Yoda arc from season oh, six. Yeah, um, for sure. Mainly because we get a bit of the OT with like the Dagobah scene. Um, it blends really nice with the prequel trilogy because we've got Qui Gon back, which is always cool. I love any story where it just explains a bit more of the Force, mm-hmm. but also it explains a bit of the Force. So you're like, okay, that's how it works. And then the next episode, it's like by the way, this, <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I have no idea what the hell's going on. Um, like, and it feels like, it feels like that's what the sequel trilogy that George would have done would have felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, like that crazy, like Nexus of the force. And then it ends off with that beautiful crescendo of uh, Yoda learning that losing the war doesn't necessarily mean losing the overall victory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that cool, I mean, it's also it's a, it's a cool little scene where Darth Sidious gets known by everyone, and there's that cool little magic battle, which is always you know, nice to see. Even so just little things, favorite. yeah. Even just little things of uh, Yoda asking Anakin to break him out because he's like, <laughs> "Well, we know we, this is your forte, <laughs> like disobeying the council, bro. Help me out, brother." Um, right. No, yeah, that that arc was such a flex, and because it's like everything we got net this year has been amazing and, you know, satisfying and fulfilling. But also, like, if you told me this couldn't have happened, that Yoda arc, I feel like, is such a fitting end to the Clone Wars. Because, like, it it really does put, you know, a bow on everything with that, that bit at the end. And not only does it develop Yoda's character of how you, you know, go from flipping around lightsaber man to wars not make one great, um, it connects that and... Then also just yeah that overall message of like it's it's gonna be like I'm I'm not sure anyone wins a war but it's gonna be okay because like we know like we know we have right on our side 
Yeah. Agreed. Although I would argue that the procedure of Mandalore law gives us a literal bow. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. That was great. That was great. Um, I love it. Oh lordy. Well, I feel like the best way to end this episode would be we've got one more question, but I feel like it should be just for Corey. Because he <laughs> is the king and I this is the question for you, Corey. What do you think the Clone Wars' legacy will be? Damn. Um, in this essay, I, I will. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, I think the greatest takeaway from the Clone Wars and is going to be the fact that this was such an ambitious project from the start. You know, because when George started it, I mean, he didn't care how much money he was putting into it. He didn't care if he lost money. It was just like, you know what? I'm going to throw millions of dollars per episode, even if we don't make it back, I want to tell this story. And because he threw in that kind of money and he got that kind of talent to work on the show, the quality of the series just got better every season. You know, sometimes in shows, for the most part, they started dipping in quality over seasons. But Clone Wars just kept in, kept on pushing the boundaries of what it could do and kept on getting better. And I think that's very rare these days. So I, th- I think the legacy of Clone Wars is really going to be you know, it's it's a couple things. I think it's going to be Ahsoka, you know, because she is such a fan favorite now that like she and, and coming directly from Clone Wars, I think she's going to be a massive part of that legacy. Um, but I think it, it's it's also such a big uh, historic moment for animation for something to be uh, airing on Cartoon Network at the time that it did, and it was it was such great quality. And even now on Disney Plus, looking at it, it's like watching a Pixar film. And the, I think the quality of the animation and the story is always going to go down as some of the best Star Wars because you can feel the love and you can feel the energy that was put into it. Um, and then, you know, I think for us personally, like I said on, on my show last night, there's something personal about that series for a lot of us because. You know, we were all there when, like, there wasn't a lot of Star Wars, but there was Clone Wars. And so it has, like, a different feeling for all of us here than, like, you know, say someone who jumps into it now, which is still great. But it's, like, I think we're always going to remember that as its legacy, too. Essentially, like, I said this last night, but I wouldn't know any of you guys if it wasn't for Clone Wars. So the legacy of it is really going to be Ahsoka, the quality, and, and what it did for fans who weren't into Star Wars yet, or or just jumping into it. Oh, that's the perfect way to end the episode. <laughs> Hell yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, none of us would be here if it weren't for the Clone Wars. I mean, right? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Star Wars could be dead without it. <laughs> it kept yeah. Star Wars well, alive. It, it also gave us Dave Filoni. Yep. And that's, uh, that's pretty huge in itself. Gift that keeps Absolutely. on giving, honestly. Yep. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, every single project has a bit of the Clone Wars DNA in it. And I feel like that's special. <laughs> that's a bit of George as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you, Corey, for coming on this week's episode. Oh, absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was a blast. Um, so is there anything you would like to plug? Well, I mean, um, for anybody who's listening, I'm sure most of your listeners know who Noah is. Um, me and him run Kessel Run Transmissions, so um, Noah Outlaw. We uh, do weekly shows on there and reactions and just a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Uh, we just did a show last night uh, with Claire and a bunch of other people talking about our love for the Clone Wars. And um, 
you know, we had, we're, we're talking about sort of changing the channel around and making it better. And, 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 uh, that's kind of the plan going forward, but, um, you can also follow me at Corey underscore Wolfpack on Twitter. I'm usually just tweeting about Clone Wars. So if you love Clone Wars, <laughs> I got you. Um, and then KR Transmissions on Twitter. Perfect. Um, again, thank you for coming on. It's been such a great sort of journey and a really great way to sort of discuss with you this final uh, episode of The Clone Wars. Um, yeah. So- King Clone Wars. commander clone wars there you go we won't demote you don't worry no you you can take pride in that rank (laughs) as the imperial senate we can legally do that awesome there we go perfect okay last uh, survivor (laughs) no treason here um well that's all we've got time for this week thank you everyone for listening may the force be with you See ya. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Hey, out there in listener land, thank you for listening. If you want to hear or see more from the Senators, please go to the website imperialsenatepodcast.com, where you will find links to the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for the show, as well as our Discord server, Twitch, and YouTube channels. You can also email in to imperialsenatepodcast at gmail.com, and please consider leaving a review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you again, and may the Force be with you.